Hello, protective mother witches and supposedly happy sorcerers. <laughs> Fair. Welcome to a Fag on Film, a podcast for I, Jordan Freeman. Use my film theory monitor to talk about films I enjoy, films I don't enjoy, and films I'm kind of meh about. Joining me once again is the Doctor Strange to my Scarlet Witch, producer and boyfriend, Clay Reese. Yeah, I figured that's what you're going to do. I figured. I was kind of hoping you'd make me Baron Mo- Mordo, just so I could beat you with all at GO4. Because he's like, the fucking man. Fair enough. I thought about making you like Benedict Wong as Wong. That is kind of funny. I was thinking about that when I pulled up the IMDb page. I was like, it must be kind of easier to get into character when they have like the same name. Because like you got to think of like Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood. His first name's Daniel. You know? Right. But it'll make it easier. I think so. But then again, I don't know shit about acting. You know? Fair enough. <sighs> so with some extra free time, we were able to bring you. Uh, a timely kind of, kind of. Uh, I say kind of because this movie has been out for a while however it was a film that both of us so badly wanted to see we wanted to give you our two cents on the film uh, this timely we will be reviewing the 2000 and, uh, 2022 superhero film Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness fuck yeah fuck yeah so before we cross realities, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok by searching AFY Podcast. Also, please subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. And don't forget to check out all the kick-ass podcasts that worked with us in the past, such as Caffeine and Screams, We Love Horror, Horror Bandwagon, which we we guessed it on their episode, but they haven't been on one of ours. Uh-huh. Still, it was a fun episode. Um, <clears throat> it was funny, in that recording... They were like, man, you guys are so professional, but they have like a whole ass setup with a like a like a legit board where they can just like hit a button and then the drop is there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I was like, you guys are professional. I mean, fuck, you got cameras and shit, right? <clears throat> Come on. Um, the offering with Jerry Horror, Stephen Queen's Two Chicks in a Horror Flick, um. Bad Taste Buds with the always distinguished and British Liam, who's still on hiatus right now. Um, going to university. And moving. Well, I guess he's already moved. He's already moved. I think he's going to university. University. Um, the Art of Sex with Jermaine Calendo. And the Stephen Sedwick Variety Show with Stephen Sedwick. Yep. Is he posting... Like I don't know. I, know I, I mean, he posted something today on Facebook, but I haven't seen... I don't know if he's posted any new episodes of his podcast yet. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, go check those guys out, man. There's good shit out there, man. Mm-hmm. Some real good shit. So this film was directed by Sam Raimi, who I realize we have not covered yet on this podcast, and that is a damn shame. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, oddly enough, it, it just seems like the 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 themes that you come up with for every month we just haven't really found one that kind of fits his wheelhouse yeah like if we did a full-on like even like honestly even if we did like a full-on superhero month it's like i kind of don't want to talk about the first three spider-man movies like any of them like the first one maybe but not really dude right you know uh this is directed by sam raimi uh for most of you you should know who that is but if you don't he directed the evil dead films 
uh, the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire, Dark Man, The Quick and the Dead, uh, Simple Plan, The Gift, Drag Me to Hell, uh, and Oz the Great and Powerful. I've seen a lot of a, a lot of his movies. Um, haven't seen Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, it's pretty good. The problem is, there's a lot of like miscasting. I think, like, I don't think James Franco should have played Oz, and I don't think Mila Kunis should have played uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. Okay. Now Michelle Williams as Glinda. Who's that? Uh, fuck. What have you seen? Michelle Williams. Said. Oh, um, Halloween H two O, the girlfriend to uh, Josh Harnett. Ooh, I I don't really remember that one. Her. Oh, okay. I don't. I mean, I recognize her. I just don't know from what. To be honest, My Week with Marilyn is a good movie. Okay. She plays Marilyn Monroe. She was nominated for an Oscar. She might have won it for that, but I can't remember. That was a good mo- fucking movie. Okay, cool. Well, she was in Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Dawson's Creek. School. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's why she got a big break with Dawson's Creek. Fair enough. Yeah, she was in Brokeback Mountain with her then husband, uh, Heath Ledger. No shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. She played his uh, love interest in that movie. And she was married to him? Mm-hmm. They have a daughter oh. together. Wow, that's or fucking had cool. Had a daughter together. Well, I mean, they. St- I mean, the daughter's still alive. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, I'm looking, and I really don't. Oh, she was in Venom. Let there be carnage. Yeah, she's in the Venom movies. That's pretty cool. Fucking everybody's in a superhero movie these days. Why not? I mean, yeah, dude. I was kind of surprised a little bit that uh, Christian Bale was in the new Thor movie. But, I mean, you know, he was in a Terminator movie, so it's not that big of a stretch of the imagination that he would be in a superhero movie. He was already in a superhero trilogy. I mean, at least with this one, like... Yeah, fair, but dude, the, the those are way... I mean, they're certainly superhero movies. I'm not trying to say that you're wrong, but it's very different than, like, any of the MCU well, movies. Well, true. That's... Because it's like, those are, like, films. Yeah. And these are popcorn movies. Yeah. At least with this one, he's just like, all I gotta do is be bald and, like, they gotta put makeup on me? Sweet. I don't have to yeah. gain, like, 100 pounds of muscle. I'm fucking fine with that. Yeah, fair. I think he said that... He's never doing that Yeah, again. he's never yeah, doing he that He said he's never doing that again because it's God. fucked up his body too much. Yeah, man. He's gonna fucking die if he keeps doing it. hmm And I really would like to see him in more stuff because yeah. he's great. Oh, he's yeah. fantastic. Fantastic. Honestly, Daniel Day-Lewis levels acting. Yeah. Like when he commits, he commits. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, the best one in my opinion is probably The Machinist. But then you also have um was it Into the Into the Fire? Mhm. That's a great fucking I still movie. I watch Dick Cheney cuz I just want to see him be Dick Cheney. Is it is that the title of the movie? Dick Cheney? Uh, it's, I I think it's, it's Vice. Just, it's Vice, but I just want to see I want I want to see the Dick Cheney movie. Yeah, man, I'd like to see that too. Like, I'm not Netflix. really. Is it? I think so. It was on Netflix. We can look it up later. Yeah. Well, here I'll look it up now. Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, it's a real quick Google search. I mean, that was like, I mean, yeah, that's fair. Steaming. Yeah. 
we're cooking it vice is steaming we're, we're cooking in the rice cooker it's gonna be delicious it's gonna be great um yeah it's on netflix it says okay cool that's what i thought i thought it was still on there cool um this is written by michael uh waldrum who has written episodes for rick and morty uh loki and hills uh which he served as the uh series creator for both cool uh so let me see oh, here we go after this after the success of the first film, director Scott Derrickson and star Benedict Cumberbatch, Rachel McAdams, and Benedict Wong all signed a return for a sequel in December 2018. Mm-hmm. Marvel Studios began looking for a writer with plans to start filming in early 2020 for a May 2021 release. Derrickson stated that the film was, quote, the tip of an iceberg. There is so much progress that can be made, end quote. Fair enough. Uh, Derrickson wanted, whoops, went too far. Uh, here we go. Derrickson wanted the sequel to be the first scary MCU film and explore more of the gothic horror elements from the comic books, which co-producers Richard Richie Palmer, um, explaining that the film would use the multiverse to explore quote each definition of the word madness end quote, and that the idea that quote the scariest monsters are the ones that dwell within us end quote. Um. Jade Haley Barlett was hired to write the screenplay in October 2019, described as an up-and-comer. And they were, because I couldn't find a fucking thing. <laughs> um, in December of that year, Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios, described the multiverse as, quote, the next step in the evolution of the MCU, end quote. This would ring true, as the shows Division and Loki had already laid the groundwork for the multiverse, which was further explored in Spider-Man No Way Home, which also featured the character Doctor Strange. Yep. Feige. Man, we got to watch Loki. I haven't seen a single episode, man. Same. I heard it's really good. Hell yeah. Feige did contradict Derrickson with that same month by saying that the sequel would not be a horror film, but it would be a, quote, big MCU film with scary sequences, end quote, comparing it to Raiders of the Lost Ark, Gremlins, and Poltergeist. I, I mean, I feel like Poltergeist is kind of a bad comparison. Well, because Poltergeist is actually a horror film. I mean, yeah. it's a kid's horror film, but it's still a horror film. Is it a kid's horror film, though? It was PG back in the day. D- okay, but that was when PG was, like, <laughs> all over the place, man. I mean, fair, but, like... I'm just saying. I get like, why he compared it, but, yeah, like... Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's fucking skeletons popping up out of the dugout pool and shit like that and he's like peeling his face yeah dude and the fucking tree breaks through the window Mm. oh man like the clown doll Mm -hmm. jesus about to say that yeah kids horror movie (laughs) the fuck out of here a month later marvel and derrickson announced they had parted ways due to creative differences see robert cargill uh, Derrickson's collaborative writing partner stated that they conceived a script that went in a different direction than what Marvel wanted. They had yet to hire, or they had yet to write a screenplay, so the final film would not be derivative of the work. Marvel yeah. stated that filming was still set for May 2020. <laughs> About that, <laughs> reports yeah. began swirling that Derrickson left the film because he wanted to make a, quote, no-holds-barred, weird, gnarly, scary movie, end quote, similar to The Witch or Hereditary. But Marvel did not want to go in that direction. Feige denied these reports, stating that they wanted the film to serve as a guide into a, quote, much creepier side, end quote, 
of the MCU and wanted to explore the, quote, mind-bending, frightening side, end quote, of the multiverse. Yeah. Okay. In early February, it was announced that Sam Raimi was in negotiations to take over as director. He signed on a few weeks later. Michael Waldron was also hired to rewrite the film's script. Ari Aster, Mike Flanagan, and Jennifer Kent were in the running to direct. It should be noted that all three choices are well known for directing and writing horror properties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for those who don't know, Ari Aster did Hereditary and Midsommar. And Midsommar. Uh, the latter we re- reviewed. Mike Flanagan's done Oculus, um, the Ouija sequel, or prequel rather, Gerald's Game, and has been the showrunner for Midnight Mass, The Haunting of Hill House, and The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Jennifer Kent has done The Babadook, and oh, is that other movie? Nightingale, I think is the name of it? I don't know. But I've yeah. only ever seen The Babadook but from yeah. her. I like all, that movie. That all movie three. The fuck out. That's mm, creepy. All three great horror directors, <laughs> all three would have been amazing choices, but you can't beat Sam Raimi. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely got, like, for sure clout and talent, but I would have liked to have seen what Ari Aster could have done because that guy knows how to build atmosphere like a motherfucker. Oh my god, that would have been the tr- this would have that this literally would have been the trippiest fucking MCU movie. Probably, Flanagan would have done like a gothic horror. I think like it would have been like slow build scares. Sure, sure. Let me ask you something since. We're already kind of tangenting a little bit. What's mm. your Mount Rushmore of horror directors? Ooh. Like, present or past? Any, dude. Living or dead. Does it have to be four? Like... it ha- You have to limit it to four. Okay, fine. Um, Craven, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Carpenter, for sure. Hell yeah. Mm, though I guess with Carpenter, you could make the argument that since he's so like diversified, he's not just a horror. He's director. not just a horror director. Like Craven, yes, Craven did other films, but he's more well known for horror. Whereas with yeah, nobody Carpenter, about- it's there is horror with the thing in the Mouth of Madness, um, Halloween, but there's also Starman. There's also um, They Live, which is more sci-fi. Big Trouble in Little China, which is sci-fi and kung fu. Well, well, fantasy, fantasy. Um, then you get to vampires, which is just a, it's an action movie with vampires. There's yeah. really escape from no, New York, escape from L.A. Yeah, action movies. Um, Assault on Precinct Thirteenth are action movies. Yeah, I mean, you could you could kind of give it like, he, he what he I think what he does a lot and really well is blending genres because like Escape from New York, like Escape from L.A. Balls of the wall action movie, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. But Escape from New York definitely has horror elements. Like the way he makes New York City look mm-hmm. is fucking scary. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like the people that live in the subway or like underneath the city. Yeah, like that scene where they fucking break up out of the floor and mm-hmm. grab that lady and shit. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> See, it's like I want to put Carpenter up there, but I know because he is his, his filmography is so diversified that. I feel like I could put someone else in his place. Well, <sighs> I'm not going to say you can't put him up there just because he's done other shit. Cause then that would disqualify Sam Raimi because he's done Western superhero True. movies. Like he's done a lot of shit. True. No, I'll put him up there. 
I think I think when it comes to like Mount Rushmore of horror directors, it has to be somebody who took the genre in a different way. Craven certainly did. Raimi certainly did. And Carpenter definitely did. Yeah. All three of them equally took it in different directions. Um. So who's your fourth? Who you rounding out with, man? Honestly, I know he's. I mean, well, he's been doing it for like now twenty years, but um, I got to give it to James Wan. Okay. Because I mean, Craven, solid choice. Craven changed up the horror genre with Freddy. Carpenter changed up the genre with Michael mm-hmm. and the Thing. Sam Raimi changed up the horror genre with, uh, of course, The Evil Dead. Yeah. And his directing style. Mm-hmm. And then James Wan changed, has changed up horror three times with Saw, with The Conjuring, with Insidious. Yeah, fair enough. I Just mean, by taking it in different directions, like especially with Insidious, it's like astral projection in different dimensions and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it kind of surprises me that Western horror, it took so long. For Western horror to get there, you know, like that subject matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just always. Well, I mean, we're we're, we're not. We, we we take a while to be experimental. I think. Fair enough. And then when we do, everyone's just like, "Oh my god, this is so genius!" And it's like, "Yeah, but they've been doing this. Like European and Asian horror films have been doing this for years, if not decades." Yeah. So it's like we're not. We're not that special. We're not that special. We're we're still behind in the curve. Yeah. Like now we're making new strides in horror because we're allowing like with A twenty four and Blumhouse, we're allowing people to make these trippy horror films that push the envelope, but we weren't before. Fair enough. But anyway. Um My Mount Rushmore would I mean, basically yours. Um obviously Carpenter. Come on. Yeah. my favorite yeah um definitely sam raimi because he's got probably my favorite horror series just the evil dead mm-hmm. and even him like being able to blend horror and comedy in a way that it's like i'm laughing at this but it's not like a comfort a comforting funny it's almost like nervous laughter you right. know um definitely Wes craven just because like everybody talks about nightmare on elm street but i feel like people forget about hills have eyes and last house on the left, and people under the stairs. Yeah, people under the stairs, and like just how, just how diverse he went with the genre of like not just being in one thing. Like it wasn't just slashers, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that that was definitely like <clears throat> that. I feel like that was definitely his bread and butter. Because I mean he he did it twice with two iconic series. Yeah, he knew when to like come in and like save the slasher genre. I mean, Freddy recapital like relaunch slashers honestly because they were getting stale mm-hmm. and then scream relaunched slashers slashers yeah and i mean everything in between like the hills have eyes what the fuck i mean the last house on the left brutal brutal fucking horror movie, movie. um people under the, the stairs, stairs. it's a social weird. commentary movie yeah yeah, well yeah, yeah before it's social commentary horror well before that was even big yeah I mean, now people look back at like now people look at Jordan Peele or like Ori Aster and like all these other directors that have social commentary in their horror and they're just like, yeah, it all started with this kind of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the people on the stairs was that social commentary horror and no one no one acknowledged it until now. Yeah. And then I think my well, last Candyman too. 
yeah, no. Candyman as well, but that yeah, that's not yeah. But uh, I think my last one would probably be uh, Ari Aster, just because of the way that he directs his movies. You know, like doing an entire horror movie in daylight. Fair. You know, and just like again, him being able to just build atmosphere is Fair. incredible. You know, like he doesn't rely on jump scares or anything like that. You know. Fair. I was. I would. I would like to. I feel like Hitchcock needs an honorable mention at least, though. He does, and I feel like if I could, I would. I would want to put Jordan Peele on my um, my Mount Rushmore too, because I think in just two horror films that he's directed, they're amazing, for sure. And they show he like understands the genre and understands like how to be scary, like you said, without jump scares. Yeah, because us is just unsettling for sure, dude. I mean, and like, I, I think the genius of that movie is he gives you enough to be curious, but not enough to understand. Mm-hmm. But it's not in a douchey fucking way. It's like, I mean, because realistically, <laughs> the world he built could not be fully explored in one movie. Oh, God, no. It's like, that's impossible. But for what you get, like, I don't know about everybody else, but I would love to see in us too maybe just call it them you know mm-hmm. i think that would be fucking awesome oh yeah just explore like what the world's like now that mm-hmm. they're out and about yeah maybe i'm excited for nope yeah that i think that's gonna be really really cool it comes out this friday oh does it cool dude uh, so Raimi had been reluctant to direct a Marvel superhero film after the mixed reaction to Spider-Man 3, but signed on due to the challenge of getting the film into production right away and because he was a fan of Doctor Strange as a character and Derrickson's work in the first film. Waldron had three weeks to write a new script draft based on the work done by Derrickson and Barlett. Both felt very panicked at the task. However, COVID-19... Uh, began to impact filming. Disney ultimately pushed the release date back to uh, November 5th, 2021, giving Raimi and Waldron the delay they needed to start writing the script from scratch and make the film their own. Waldron watched the original Spider-Man trilogy to learn Raimi's strengths and uh, write toward them. He also brought his experience writing Rick and Morty. The creative team also saw early production work for What If to learn how Strange was portrayed in that series. Yeah, that's another series we've got to watch. Waldron worked with the creative team of WandaVision, as well as the writers of Spider-Man No Way Home, to make sure that neither creative property interfered with the other and that all the stories flowed together seamlessly. Cool. Doing their homework, man. Mm-hmm. So this film stars Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff slash The Scarlet Witch, uh, Chittawa Edgy Four as she Carl. Tell Edgy Four, whatever, as Carl Mordo, Benedict Wong as Wong. Oh God, I should have asked Google how to pronounce her name. Uh, Exo Chiltel Gomez as America Chavez. Um, I think it might be Zoquito. Maybe, maybe, probably. Uh, Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer. Michael. Uh. Stuhlbarg as Nicodemus West, Patrick Stewart as Professor Charles Xavier, Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter slash Captain Carter, uh, Lashana Lynch as Maria Rambo, or Rambo, or uh, slash Captain Marvel, 
Anson Mount as uh, Blackagar Bolt Boltigo or the Black Belt the Black Bolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Krasinski as Reed Richards. Uh, Julian Hillard as Billy. Jet uh, Klein as Tommy. Sheila Atman as Sarah. Topo uh, Renz Nero as Hammer. Adam Hugel as the voice of Rintra. Ross uh, McQuarrand as the voice of Ultron. Charlize Theron as Klee. And Bruce Campbell as Pizza Papa. Hey, you didn't pay for that. Maybe it's not for you here. Pizza Papa always gets paid. All right, Pizza Papa, relax. She's just a kid. Relax yourself there, Dr. Strange. Where'd you get this cape from anyway? Oh, that feels authentic. It's not a cape, it's a cloak, and I suggest you let go. You took this whole suit from the Strange Museum, didn't you? Strange Museum? You're a taker. Why don't you take some mustard, huh? Come on, it's not permanent. Michael, stop in a few minutes? About three weeks. Hell yeah, the most important character in this entire movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Raimi, man. Uh, you knew he was going to pop up. Yeah, of course, man, of course. Him and or uh, Ted Raimi. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he wasn't in here, too. Uh, I'm sure he was somewhere. Yeah, maybe. Um, Cumberbatch grew out Strange's goatee for real in this film rather than merely putting on a fake one as in the first film. Oh, okay, cool. Olsen was hesitant about playing Wanda as a villain. However, with Waldron working with her and WandaVision creator Jock uh, Schaefer, she felt she came to feel it gave her an opportunity to create a sympathetic character in the series who the audience would therefore have conflicted feelings about when seeing the film. I mean, I don't understand why she would be concerned about playing her as a villain in this movie. She already did that in the show. Yeah. I mean, she did. She was just, yeah. She took over a whole fucking town. <laughs> just mind controlled everyone. That's fucked up. Right. Uh, Waldron stated that Maximoff as, quote, the biggest bullet, end quote, they had, and she was destined to be the villain in the MCU as she was in the comics, especially after the end of WandaVision, revealed, quote, to her that the family she's built is not real, that she gets the dark hold. And learns that there is a real vi- version of her children out there. And if you've got the Book of the Damned whispering in your ear long enough that your kids are out there and you could go and get them, maybe that can push you to do some terrible things, end quote. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. That <clears throat> I, I do like the way that they took that whole thing. I mean, it, it is kind of cliche, you know? I mean, basically... Raimi's working with another Necronomicon, but yeah, yeah, but I mean it works. Yeah, but I mean they established the book well before they, yeah, well before this movie. Yeah, and, and before Raimi was even involved. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not blaming Sam Raimi for. It's the, just. The dark it is. It is. It's just, just like, like it is kind of like a a funny little irony that. That the, he's doing this again. <laughs> yeah, he's working with he's working on a movie that has like a demon book. Yeah. Uh Lily Resto and Isabella uh Merced were Marvel's choices for America. Okay. 
Uh, originally, Gomez thought she was too young to even have a shot at Doctor Strange. At the time, the role for America uh, was written for a young adult somewhere around the age of 18. Gomez assumed she was way too young to be considered, but she auditioned anyway and tried to put the role out of her mind. Then months later, Marvel invited her to audition again. It was still for the role of America Chavez, but this time, uh, Waldron was reimagining the character as much younger, as a much younger teen ver- version. To prepare, Gomez said she threw herself into stunt training, practicing martial arts and kickboxing, quote, every other day for hours so that if I potentially got a test audition, I could blow their minds, end quote. Hell yeah. She'd been studying martial arts since she was 11, she adds, and she's now halfway to earning her black belt. Nice, dude. Eventually, Gomez flew to London, screen tested for the role with uh, Cumberbatch on the set of the Sanctum uh, Sanctorium. Sanctum Sanctorum. That's it. Just a few days after she returned home, she got a call from the casting director, uh, Sarah Haley Finn. She was the new America Chavez. Fair enough. And if you don't like that, it's the Sanctum Sanctorum. You can blame Stan Lee because my man was in love with alliteration. Right. Filming began in November 2020 in London. Olsen shot her scenes back-to-back with WandaVision. In December, filming was taking place at the Long Cross Studios in Long Cross, Surrey, with several New York City blocks and sets for the Sanctum uh, Sanctorum uh, were built. Or where several of those were built, I should mm, say. Okay. Cumberbatch had begun filming his scenes by this point after completing work on No Way Home. Oh, wow. Many of the cast were excited to work with Raimi, who was able to use his preferred camera technique to create a feeling of anxiety for the audience. Raimi also encouraged improvisation, explaining that the cast could adapt their interactions due to their knowledge of their own characters. Yeah. Good good on him for doing that. I mean, it does seem like it it, it does seem like that that happens not all the time, but a good bit um in Sam Raimi movies. Just because of, like, I think because of how he started. Where, well, yeah, it's how we filmed Evil Dead. He yeah. He had a script, and he also was like... But, you know, maybe we can do something different, you know? Yeah. Just being able to give the actors, like, that much creativity on set, I think, is what makes... Is a part of what makes his movies so magical and feel so authentic. Mm-hmm. Because you, you've got these people who... I mean, granted, with the Evil Dead, uh, he wrote that, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, he understands where the characters are supposed to be. And where you know where they're coming from and what what they are essentially, but when you have an actor whose entire job is to encapsulate a fictitious person and make them real, and they have to get deep into the psyche of that character, being able to give them the freedom to just kind of do what they want makes those characters feel more real because you have somebody literally studying them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, pandemic restrictions caused production to shut down at the end of December, and another lockdown in the UK took effect on January 6, 2021. Filming resumed in early 2021, though Cumberbatch had to pause filming after being in close contact with a member of the production who had a false positive test. Uh-oh. By mid-March, uh, Edgy4 had begun filming his scenes in London by then. Filming occurred at Brumfield Hill Car Park in Richmond Park for the week of March 2nd, then moved to... Freemasons Hall, London, for a few weeks in April, with shooting taking place from April 15th till the 17th at Burrow Hill Cedar Farm in Somerset. Mm. Filming wrapped by the end of April with reshoots starting in September 2021 and continuing on and off until March 2022. Hmm. Uh-huh. 
This film came out May 6, 2022 on a budget of 200 million. Wait, how much? 200 million. Oh, wow. <laughs> the release date shift from its original November date was decided after Sony Pictures, owner of the Spider-Man movie rights, moved No Way Home to the to a November 2021 release date due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This caused Waldron to do rewrites of the script as it, as he had been expecting Multiverse to be released before. He worked with Chris McKenna and Eric Sommers, the No Way Home writers, on both their respective scripts to accommodate for the release changes. Instead of Multiverse, quote, blowing the lid on the Multiverse, end quote, it would pick up after No Way Home, with Strange having knowledge already. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good plan. It moved to a March 25th, 2022 release date before moving to a May date, possibly due to COVID production halts and reshoots. Mm, yeah, fair enough. A teaser trailer played at the end credits of No Way Home before being released online on December 22nd, 2021. Merchandise began to be made available for the rev- up with the reveal of Marvel Legends figures based on the film that month as well. Another teaser trailer aired during Super Bowl uh, 56 on February 13th, 2022, with the full trailer then debuting online. Disney reported 134 million online views of the trailer across multi multiple online platforms. Cool. Funko Pops, based on the film, were revealed on March 2022. The film had its world premiere at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood on May 2nd, 2022. The film was banned from release in Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, uh, Qatar, Egypt, and China due to the inclusion of America Chavez, who is a queer character in the comics, and the inclusion of Chavez's two moms. Yeah, fair enough. I guess. So fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. The film has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 74%. Hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's pretty fair. You know, I mean, it's, it's not the Godfather. You know what I'm saying? Many but criti- I don't think it's supposed to be. It's mm. just a fun little movie. Many critics praised Raimi's direction, the acting of Olsen, Cumberbatch, and Gomez, and the visuals and action, though most criticism was directed at the plot and the runtime. Mm. I mean, I can, yeah, definitely the plot. because it's like there's 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 some pretty big holes like i feel like i feel like wanda like if she really fucking wanted it she could have just gone and got it you know she could have just gone and gotten america's fucking powers and then but then you wouldn't have a story you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's the line that every writer has to walk it's like you know it's that whole argument of, well, if Gandalf could just call the eagles, why didn't they just have the eagles fly him over Mount Doom, fucking drop the ring, and that then be done with it? Because like, well, that'd make a really fucking boring novella, right? <laughs> right. Or short story, right? You know. But I mean, on the other hand, it is a good question. It's like if you had this ability, why wouldn't you just use it? Because you know, I guess a lot, the thing about you know any type of fiction is, well, if you put it into some sort of parameter of reality what would be the best and most efficient way of getting your goal done mm-hmm. you know well the things with like like if you wanted to the counter argument for like lord of the rings is of course like well if you have the eagles then of course you have like the dragons at the ring race ride 
what could attack. And then if you have like all the orcs in Mordor, they could just shoot arrows at them. Yeah. So there's enough defenses. And we don't and you also don't know the other problem is if you go and try to drop the rings off, you have the eye of Sauron looking at you and you don't know what kind of powers he did and didn't have. True. So you could have easily like fireballed the little bastard of the sky, yeah. And the same thing with Wanda, like, yeah, she could have just gone. I mean, she didn't have the power to go to the multiverse. I mean, she could have dream walked, but you know, if she if she was gonna fight the Stranges and everything, she didn't know what she was up against, so she needed to even the playing field. She needed to get her to her. Yeah. That's fair. And like they said, like dreamwalking has a terrible effect on the user. So she might have been afraid of that. She might that might have just like she that might have been like literally like her last result. Like, this is what I have to do. I didn't want to do it, but this is what I got to do. Mm, maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, she's been using that book so fucking much. It it definitely alludes to that being the thing where she used it a lot because, like, her, the tips of her fingers are completely black. You know? Oh, fair. That's like, true. But... They're, they're not decayed like um you see with... Uh... Agatha? No, no. With the Doctor Strange that gets killed... Like, when they pan up from the ground, you can see, like, bone is showing on his hands. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, So, like... Yeah, they, they resemble a lot of, like, Agatha's, where it's like they've been using it, but not, like, intensively. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just what happens with, like, chaos magic. Maybe. But, I don't know, maybe not. I don't know. But, anywho. Um, so, box office-wise, this movie made, as, as of... Uh, today uh july, july 17th. 17th uh this movie has made 411.2 million in north america and 542.9 million internationally for a worldwide of 954.1 million dollars so they made their money back yeah i think it's <laughs> i think it made 200 million more than the first one worldwide wow it is the highest grossing horror film of all time horror horror it's not really a horror movie though I mean, it's got the horror elements. Yeah. Yeah, it's for sure. It's got zombies. It's got demons. It's got the guy's head exploding. More of that later. Well, first and foremost, it has one zombie. Okay. But no, definitely. And like the whole thing, we'll get to it, but when she's inside of Xavier's head, mm-hmm. her crawling her way through the fucking... Uh, out mirror. of the gong, yeah, the gong, mirror. and that's like that's one of those big Raimi moments, you know. Oh my God, that, that made me so th- many Raimi moments. You yeah, do a drinking game of like all of his little like yeah all nods the- to himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at least it's not as masturbatory as fucking Spielberg and E. T. Oh my God, that guy just fucking jerking his dick for two decades. <laughs> Seriously, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I guess I'll give it to you. I guess I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, many successful box uh, blah, blah, blah. many successful blockbusters this year have been unable to release in China, mostly due to the ongoing COVID restrictions. With some, in the case of Multiverse, uh, uh, haven't been able to be released due to the LGBT content. With the success, um, with such success with a Chinese without the Chinese market, Disney and other studios have begun dis- discussions on whether or not appealing to the Chinese movie market is necessary, as they once thought. I mean, I don't think it is. Well, because like with this movie, um, well, because of the a lot of like 
of movie restrictions in China, they haven't ever released. But when you have films like The Batman, this one, uh, Jurassic Park, that have been making buku money overseas without the Chinese movie theaters, it's made a lot of studios kind of look at themselves and go, do we need to really restrict what we're putting in our films because of this market now? It's like, I mean, we have an openly like queer character in America Chavez and we showed her with her two moms and we've made almost $543 million worldwide without China. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's necessary to rely on just like, granted it's a fucking huge country with a large population. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is this movie and like several others have proved you don't need to put all your eggs in that basket. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like if it's like an established movie verse like Marvel, make whatever the fuck you want for sure. And yeah. I do think that this is a special case too. Right, make whatever the fuck you want, like yeah. Jurassic World, Batman. You know what fucking you know those are going to make bank. People are going to go see that. Right, shit. make whatever fucking movie you want. I mean, those e- films, even with Lightyear, where you know it, it's not a direct film in the Toy Story universe, like it's not a Toy Story movie. But it's tied to it with the character of Buzz Lightyear. I mean, I don't know exactly how well that movie's doing, but... Oh, not well. Well, it's also supposed to be not that good. Uh, uh, Phil, uh, mm, uh, I do, I do get critic, it. Critic-wise, it's not bad. At, um, well, it's got a 75% Rotten Tomatoes, so it's not bad. But movie-wise, I mean, money-wise, it has not been like anywhere near what a Pixar film normally does. Well, fair enough. It's also kind of just like out of the blue. Well, it, it, it like when it was announced, it kind of just seemed like a cash grab to me. Well, I mean, it's it's a different interpretation of the character. I mean, because you're not you're not following in like the normal Toy Story line where there's no there's no Woody, there's no other people. It's voiced by not Tim Allen. It's voiced by Chris Evans. So it's like an origin story for the character. And it's like, but you already did this with an animated direct-to-video film and then a TV show. So we already had an established yeah, origin. But, but what they're what they're doing or what they said, what like the studio came out or creator whatever said was this was the movie that Andy saw when he got the toy. Mm. So like in universe, it's his origin story, you know, it's not like, and this is just getting deep into fucking toy story. Where it's like, why, why are we talking about this? But anyway, <laughs> um, it's not like the show and the direct video movie where it was like, this is for the people who watch toy story. Uh-huh. You know, this is for them. Uh, this is more like, in my opinion, a cash grab, but from what they were saying, it's supposed to be the the movie that came out in the Toy Story universe to sell the Buzz Lightyear toys. Mm-hmm. You know, like we had a whole discussion about it um, on break in between two of my classes because this one dude uh, came into class and he was like, he was telling us all about it, and he was like, I don't think he <laughs> he was like, you're gonna tell me that this is the movie that Andy saw in the '90s? No. No. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, chill out. <laughs> but we talked about it because, like, he brought up a good point. He was like, if 
Well, it's kind of a good point. He was like, if, you know, if this was supposed to be the movie that Andy saw, then why did Buzz Lightyear come out knowing all of this stuff? And I was like, well, because as a toy, he probably, like, has, like, the conscious knowledge of the character since that is who he is supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, that's why. Mm-hmm. He he just knows this stuff because when he was created, he, he he was created with the knowledge. Right. Sort of like, and then I was like, you know, Woody, he's had Woody forever. You know, you see, I think in the first one, I think part of the beginning is, like Woody's leg getting stitched back on. So like he's had him forever. That's why he doesn't um, do anything mm-hmm. associated. Mm-hmm. That's to... the second one. Okay, whatever. The second one he starts to have his arm ripped off and then the the toy collector has somebody come in Okay, yeah. and like stitch it back up. Okay, yeah, whatever. Um, But he's been with Andy for so long that he wouldn't be doing anything associated to his show. Like Buzz is coming out thinking he's Buzz Lightyear because mm-hmm. he's woken up. Like it's basically Adam waking up, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas Woody's been here for a while. He knows all the other toys. Like they have their own established culture and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And now you've got Buzz Lightyear coming in here you know, basically fresh out the womb and he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And it's established in the second movie that that happens with what's her a, name? Another, um, Buzz Lightyear. Oh, because okay. in the Tory store and then another Buzz Lightyear awakens from his box and the, the, the one that's with Andy is just like, Oh my God, was I this insufferable? Yeah. And I think it's just, I think it's just um, the the way of uh, I think it's just the the way of a Tory. Like they always they wake up thinking they're a part of whatever brand or property property they are, and then they realize like, oh no, this isn't me. I'm a I'm a toy. I'm a toy. I'm just a version of the character. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get their own personality. Yep. Um. So yeah, I did some quick research. Uh, Lightyear has made two hundred thirteen million thus far. On a budget of two hundred million, worldwide. Yep, like all together, total? all together, two hundred thirteen million. Wow, looks like it's gonna flop. Yep, and it doesn't help that uh, um, Minions: The Rise of uh, Gru has been blowing it out the water. I fucking am so sick of these fucking Minion movies. Good God! I Can mean, we please just. <sighs> I mean, budget of eighty million has so far made five hundred thirty-two point seven million worldwide honey dang quit i know i know i i blame the human race they ain't fucking quitting i hate the fucking movies so much like god i guess they're good for kids or whatever but oh dude fair enough just so sick of it just so sick of we're not gonna talk about that yeah talk about multiverse yes yeah as always, uh, if we do a timely spoiler alert, but I mean, this movie's been out for a couple of months. It's on Disney Plus right now, <laughs> yeah. so based off of the profits, I feel like you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so America Chavez and a version of Doctor Strange, uh, version of Stephen Strange, sorry, are chased by a demon in the space between universes while searching for the Book of Ashanti. When fatally wounded, this strange begins to take Chavez's powers to save the universes before being killed by the demon. Chavez accidentally creates a portal that transports her to the to transports her and Strange's corpse to Earth six one six. 
At the beginning of the film, the daughter strange with America Chavez says to her, in the grand calculus of the multiverse, your sacrifice is worth more than your life, as he starts taking her power. This dialogue is taken almost verbatim from Spider-Man No Way Home, when where Earth 616 Strange says to Peter Parker in the grand calculus of the multiverse, their sacrifice means inf infinitely more than their lives. In reference to the Spider-Man villains who get pulled into their respective who get pulled from their respective universes to Earth 616. Mm. Okay. Earth I looked up uh cuz I thought that maybe since he turns into a zombie or is a zombie in the movie that that Doctor Strange was the zombie version for like Marvel Zombies Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. It's not. No. Unfortunate. It's not. Earth 616 Strange is attending the wedding of Christina Palmer, his former fiance, when he sees Chavez and an unknown creature going after her. He rescues Chavez from another demon attacking her uh, from before, or then before, with the help from the Supreme, or Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Wong. Chavez explains that the, that the beings are hunting her because she has the power to travel through the multiverse. I gotta say, I love the creature design in this movie. Oh, I really oh. do. I, I really, really like it. The one-eyed tentacle monster in the film is known in the Marvel comics as uh, Shuma Goroth, who was named from a phrase in the Robert E. Howard short story, The Curse of the Golden Skull, published in spring 1967. Due to rights issues between Marvel and Howard's estate, the film has the monster renamed Gar Gargantus after a sea monster in the Marvel comics. Cool. The creature was already briefly introduced in the Marvel Universe in the episode What If, What If Captain Carter Were the First Avenger. Oh, okay. Dope. Producer Richie Palmer reveals that they used a scan of Elizabeth Olsen's eye to create gargantuan's eyeball as a way to foreshadow the film's real villain the scarlet witch oh man that's dope dude mm -hmm. i thought that was cool too early in the film uh with strange and wong in tow gargant gargantus scales a building to go after chavez it's the same building although from a different side that dr octopus and spider-man fought on in spider-man 2 in another universe quote unquote mm, okay Recognizing witchcraft ruins, Strange consults Wanda Maximoff for help, but realizes she is responsible for the attacks when she mentions Chavez's name, never being told it by Strange. After acquiring the Darkhold and becoming the Scarlet Witch, Maximoff believes that controlling Chavez's powers will allow her to reunite with Billy and Tommy, the children she created during her time in Westview. She gives Strange till sundown to surrender Chavez to her and avoid conflict. Strange Wong and Chavez head to uh, Kimurtage, preparing a defense for the Scarlet Witch's arrival. See, that bitch showed up early. <laughs> Seriously, bro. It was bright as fuck outside when she got there. It was bright as fuck. It wasn't dark. That bitch. She really should have Googled like what time sundown was. Well, I mean, she did bring clouds with her, so she technically created the sundown. No, she didn't. No, she fucking didn't. D bro, it's cloudy outside right now. It's not sundown. We still got, like, a, like another hour of daylight, technically. <laughs> that bitch showed up early. See, that's the real evil coming out. <laughs> I'm going to give you a deadline, and then I'm going to show up early. That's like if my teacher was like, yeah, you have until uh, you have until tomorrow to do it, but then she zeroes it out at midnight. 
It's like, fuck you, dude. You're a villain. You're a super villain right now. <laughs> Fair enough. You're fucking Scarlet Witch, bro. That's funny. The discussion between Doctor Strange and Wanda about Chavez's life is taken from uh, Captain America's Civil War, with Strange in the position of Steve Rogers and Wanda in the position of Tony Stark. Strange uses the same reasoning that Chavez is just a kid, while Wanda considers Chavez a weapon of mass destruction instead of a human being. Fair enough. When Strange and Chavez go to uh, Comertage, looking for protection, a large blue minotaur can be seen as an apprentice. He is Rintra... Rintra? Yeah, Rintra. A minotaur that hails from the planet Raval. He's not blue, he's green. Well, they say blue, so fuck them. Um, he first started as a humble cloth weaver and eventually became Doctor Strange's apprentice after the two bonded when Rintra was tasked to return Strange's cloak of levitation back to him after another sorcerer uh, Enetheron the weaver mended it. Oh, so is the, so like in the MCU has he ever been like introduced? This is the first time I've seen this guy. This is the first time you've seen him. Okay. Like legit. So So he's in the comics and they just put him in this movie. Yep. And just didn't explain anything. Nope. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. I mean, he's a student, so I mean, they're at least building up to the potential that he might be an apprentice. Okay. I mean, Cool. When Strange refuses to surrender Chavez, Maximoff attacks Kamitage, killing many sorcerers. Uh, Strange uses the mirror dimension to stop Maximoff, though she easily breaks free. She explains that her children exist in a multiple in multiple dimensions, but that this one and plans to reunite with them, alluding to killing that dimension's Wanda in the process. She subdues Wong and Strange as she tries to steal Chavez's powers. She is stopped by Strange, who accidentally transports himself and Chavez to Earth-838. I gotta say, the animation in, like, the whole going through the universes thing, super fucking cool. It was really, really dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Kamitaj... Oh, sorry. When in Kamitash, Doctor Strange traps Wanda inside the mirror dimension. She tries to break the mirrors, cracking them, but not breaking them. When Wanda looks herself in the cracked mirrors, her reflection also appears cracked, symbolizing her cracked mind. Mm-hmm. And how. And how. There was... Oh, here it is. I didn't add it. I had it down too far. I'm going to add it up. I had a fun fact about the dimensions, and I was like, where the fuck is it? I'm like, oh, I put it down too far, so let me put it up. All right, I'll read that in just a second. Uh, Wanda twisting the mirror dimension to her own advantage establishes how much her knowledge of all things magic has grown since WandaVision, setting up the moment when she uses the dark hole to dreamwalk. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Wanda twisting the mirror dimension to her advantage establishes how much her knowledge of all things magic has grown since WandaVision, Setting up the moment she uses the dark hole to dreamwalk. Okay, fair enough. Uh, basically, it's just a cool way to be like, this is how strong this bitch is. I'm like, I mean, she just took down like a hundred sorcerers. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we got the memo. Well, she took down a bunch of students. You know? I and mean, then, she probably could have killed Strange and Wong and everyone uh-huh. if she really wanted to. I still think like just a dope moment, even though it's like, fleeting is just when she sees that one student and she just uh, pops up behind him it's just like run yeah 
I yeah, like, that's, that is pretty cool. I was like, that's a horror movie moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Just this creepy ass bitch just like coming up behind you being like, I'm going to fuck your ass up. Plus, like getting to the to the Raimi moments um, when they're in that room with the two sorcerers and the door is shut and you get those angles, those evil dead angles. Like, God damn it. <laughs> you get the, well, you get the scream, you get the screeching, you get yeah. Wanda talking in like low whispers. And then, like, yeah, you get the the door shutting with like that crooked angle, and then she pulls those bitches <laughs> into the earth, <laughs> into the earth, basically. And then she twists out of the gong, mm-hmm. like just so disturbingly, like some ring bullshit. Yeah, and then when her eye pops up out of the puddle, mm-hmm. I wonder, like, when when America like smacks it away, did she actually like punch her in the eye? was like Wanda on the other side, like, ah, oh, god damn it. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Son of a bitch. I don't know. I Just thought... like, trim your nails. Fuck me, man. God. I don't know. I thought about that, though. I was like, did she? Like, that, that would have been, oh, dude. And she just walks out. She's just like blinking, like, like, ah. Oh. Like, that would have killed the whole movie. It would have turned it into like a family guy moment where she's like, ah, oh, just hold on. Give me a second. Jesus. But I mean, I guess uh, when she came out of the mirror and she was like, all. Oh, scratched up and clawed oh yeah fucking like contorted and shit i guess yeah that would probably take pain precedence right (laughs) but if we could have gotten a shot of her in the dimension of the in the mirror dimension was like right after that i was just like oh motherfucker god damn it i'm really gonna fucking kill this bitch now (laughs) right in my fucking eye (laughs) in an interview with variety vfx artist alex uh uh something commented on some of those mini multiverses that appear in the brief sequence with Strange and Chavez falling through them. At one point she there at one point there was an Inca statue world, one that eventually became the Living Tribunal world thanks to a suggestion from Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige, who also oh, who also suggested that their uh jungle concepts be turned into quote, the Savage World, end quote, a Marvel Comics location closely tied to both the X-Men and Magneto. Yeah. I think it's like in Antarctica or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. The request led to the VX team, the VFX team, sorry, quote, adding dinosaurs, end quote. Quote, one was an Inca world, or an Inca statue world, which ended up in the movie because Kevin Feige thought, well, that could be a great world to put in, to put the Living Tribune in. So that world became the Living tri- Tribunal world, we proposed a jungle, and Feige said, "Well, that could that would be cool if it was the Savage World. It's the world that exists in the multi Marvel universe, so that we had to add dinosaurs. We had to model and texture and render the and animate dinosaurs for two seconds, which is extremely not cost efficient." Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that is kind of burning money. That's I mean, because that whole process is difficult. I mean, it's Marvel Studios. They're going to make their money back. They know they're going to make their money back. I they're mean, just throwing sure. money. Sure. To be burned. I mean, yeah, for sure. But it, it is a, like a fact in, in animation. Like, that is, that's not cost effective at all. No, not at all. But for two seconds. And I mean, the, like, to be as cost effective as possible, they were probably animating on twos, which is still 12 frames per second. So it's still 24 frames, mm-hmm. you know? But that still means you had to build the model and then, like, you know, texture render and then rig it and then animate it. It is a whole fucking process. 
that is just because like when you do rigging it's not just like okay point here point here point here now we're gonna move no you have to paint weights on it which is which is literally like giving it weight so that shit doesn't go all fucky when you well seriously when you try to animate with it fair enough i'm listening i mean yeah i'm done oh okay yeah um where was i oh here we go Maximoff uses the dark hole to dreamwalk, taking control of her Earth 838 counterpart who lives a suburban life with her own Billy and Tommy. A surviving sorcerer sacrifices herself to destroy the dark hole and break the dreamwalk. Enraged, Maximoff forces Wong to lead her to Mount Wondagore and, and the source of the dark hole's power to reestablish the dreamwalk. Mm-hmm. Wong is forced by Scarlet Witch to take her to Mount Wondagore where the Dark Hole was originally written. In the comics, Wondagore uh, is where Wanda Maximoff and her brother Pietro were born and where uh, Cuthan, who Arthur the Dark Hole, played a first-hand role in infusing Wanda with her magical powers. Oh, cool. That is cool. Yep, yep. While searching for help, Strange and Chavez are apprehended by Earth's 838 uh, Sorcerer Supreme Carl Mordo. Chavez and Strange are held in cells by Earth 838's Christina Palmer, a scientist with extensive knowledge of the multiverse and how to subdue Strange's magic. I didn't think that uh, Christine was going to play as big a role as she did in this movie. And I got to say, I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's a little, it's a little cliche, but so is kind of fucking every Marvel movie. Like comic books are cliche. That that's their camp, their cliche. It's just like manga and anime, dude. Well, I think too, it would be a disservice to, you know, have somebody who's, you know, a, as good an actress as Rachel McAdams and only have her for like, in one universe. Because I mean, if you're gonna do multiverses you should have like the characters that are going to get, you know, top billing. I mean, for here and as many as possible for sure. But I mean, he could have just been, or she could have just been like, you know, there and then not gone with him throughout the rest of the movie. She could have just been like, all right, well, bye fair. But I think a part of the, a part of this movie is, you know, I mean, he'd been strange, been dusted for five years. So he yeah. never got that closure with Christine. Yeah. So this was his way of getting it because this Christine not only lost, we'll get to that in a minute, not only lost her strange, but he, in an essence, lost his Christine. Yeah. For sure. So it's a closure for both of them. Yeah. Uh, when Strange meets uh, Christine Palmer from Earth 838, she claims to be an expert in multiversal theory who works for the Baxter Foundation. In Marvel Comics, the Baxter Foundation is a government-funded institute for scientific research set in the Baxter Building where the Fantastic Four live. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I know we're about to get there, but I do just want to say, I love Doctor Strange's comment when Reed Richards shows up. He's like, didn't you guys chart in like the 60s? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. Um, one thing I read up on that I didn't even consider is that in that universe, because we're going to get to the Umilati, uh, the Illuminati in a minute. Umilati, it's actually a secret society that's surrounded, like, just, just it's all about Uma Thurman. Right. And, like, like, her relationships, her kids, her movies, you know, 
they've been putting her in high profile roles forever. Um, she is actually the most powerful person in Hollywood. Yep. She started the Me Too movement. Yep. <laughs> she didn't. Though. She did. <laughs> she could have though. I I mean, yeah, I guess she. Well. Well, no, because wasn't she like kind of like quote unquote protected from all that shit by Quentin Tarantino? Or did something happen to her? I'm not quite sure. There were so many stories coming out so quickly. I don't remember, but I think on some level, yes, she was protected. Okay. By Quentin Tarantino. Okay. But anyway, we're not going that. We're not going down that dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so one thing I read up on that I didn't even really consider was that uh, because in the Illuminati, you have uh, Captain Carter. That means that. Um. Uh, Steve Rogers didn't become Captain America, therefore Bucky didn't become the Winter Soldier. Therefore Bucky didn't kill Tony Stark's parents, which didn't lead him to become eventually Iron Iron Man. But I he mean, still, maybe. But he still had the uh, the uh, mindset to make the Ultron bots, because mm-hmm. a lot of the. I, I think I've read somewhere that they were saying that a lot of the, even though he's not Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark would have funded the technology and everything for the Baxter project. Well, sure. I mean, he's still, you know, even even if his parents don't die, he's still heir to a fucking weapons empire mm-hmm. and technology empire. Mm-hmm. And I mean... He'd still be just as smart, mm-hmm. more than likely. He just wouldn't go into the superhero game. Yeah. Because he wouldn't feel responsible. Yeah. Um, an alternate version of Christine Palmer officially designated the MCU as the Universe 616. In the comics, the mainstream Marvel Universe is designated at, uh, as Earth 616, whereas the MCU is designated as Earth 199999. Okay. So wait. What is it? What? So what in the Marvel in the MCU? It's one nine nine nine. One nine 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 nine. Okay, five nines. Uh, five nines at Freddy's. Mm-hmm. He just got five super hot chicks, right? But not quite tens. <laughs> There's something about them. <laughs> Strange has brought before the Illuminati a group consisting of Mordo, Peggy Carter. Uh, a black guard, uh, Boltagon. What the fuck is his name? Maria, uh, Rambo, uh, Reed Richards, and Charles Xavier. They explained that through recklessness, uh, reckless use of their universe's darkhold and an attempt to defeat Thanos, Earth's eight three eight strange triggered a universe-destroying incursion. After defeating Thanos, the Illuminati executed their strange to prevent him from causing more harm. Mordo believes that Earth's uh, Earth 616 is strange, is similarly dangerous, a thought seemingly shared by many of the members, and they plan to vote on his fate. Yeah, that was a pretty cool part, um, getting the whole, like, s- quick synopsis of what happened when they had to fight Thanos. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta think that there's gotta be at least a couple universes out there where Thanos didn't even pop up. You yeah, know? probably. Like, you just either wasn't born or didn't get to that height of power or something. Yeah. I would like to read the uh, comic book series that Marvel did about Thanos. Like, they had one um, after the 
Disney acquisition and before he was uh the main villain in the Avengers movies. Like I think it was I think it was it was after the first Avengers movie where it was like, Oh, it's fucking Thanos. Um and obviously after, you know, the whole Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War series, because that was in the fucking eighties. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, they they did a run where it's like him on Titan and like it shows his whole origin and why he is the way he is, why he's so obsessed with like death and you know the actual entity of death in the Marvel universe and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I'd like to read that. Uh, Black Bolt's outfit was entirely CGI. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. She wants loving. I'm giving her loving. No, Susie Poo just loves you so much. When Strange meets Reed Richards, he says a Fantastic Four didn't you chart in the sixties. <laughs> a group called the Fantastic Four had an R had a number six R and B hit in nineteen sixty seven with "The Whole World Is a Stage." This is also a callback to the first Doctor Strange movie where he answered mu- music trivia questions in the operating room. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And <coughs> in Charles Xavier's first scene, he is accompanied by a brief orchestral score of the X-Men the animated series theme track. Fuck yeah. He can also be seen moving around in the classic bright yellow hover chair popularly popularly associated with the series. Yeah. Um I love that show as a kid looking back on it with animator eyes. It's not that good. It's not well animated. No, I mean that's because like they're basically trying to crank out yeah episodes as quickly as possible. Yeah. For sure, but I don't know. So it kind of looks like shit. <laughs> when Xavier shows Doctor Strange the ultimate fate of Strange 838, the mind waves coming out of his head, including the camera angle as the position of his hand, are taken from the animated TV series mm-hmm. as well. Yep. And when he fucking does his thing at Wanda, mm-hmm. too. Uh, Maximoff and Wong arrive at Mount Wondagore. They awaken demonic creatures who, upon seeing Maximoff, bow in respect. She realizes that her arrival was predestined and tosses Wong out of Wondagore before reestablishing her dream walk. She arrives in her Earth 838 counterpart's body before the Illuminati can pass judgment. She kills all except Mordo, who Strange subdues before fleeing with Chavez. The two escape with the help from Palmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who survives, too. Yep. Damn, dude. That shit was brutal, though. Like, fucking Black Bolt accidentally killing himself. That was fucking crazy. I was like, what? Damn. Is PG-13? You get to get away with that? That's awesome, dude. And then fucking uh, Reed Richards just being turned into fucking string cheese. Ooh. I, I do gotta, I gotta say, I like the way that they framed um, Captain Carter dying. Like, her getting cut in half by her own shield and stuff. Like, that was, that was really cool. Oh, yeah. That was dope. Go back. Oops. She claw you. It was getting too coy. Yeah. She really needs to learn how to restrain that shit. Yeah, I mean, like I told you before we watched the movie, like the first time, a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Yeah. I had seen like some clips um, online. Mm-hmm. And I saw like the Illuminati deaths. So like when I saw like Black Bolt's death, I was like, Whoa! Yeah, man, this is a PG thirteen. This is like Jesus. But I was like, if anyone can do like PG thirteen movies, but like pushing it 
like pushing that envelope, it's Sam Raimi. Yeah, drag me to hell, man. Drag me to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when like Black Bolt like screamed and is like blew the back of his head, basically, I was like, yeah, only yeah. Sam Raimi could get away with that. Mm-hmm. For this sure. movie is not subtle when it comes to like its brutal moments. Well, I mean, with that one for sure. But then you have you know somebody literally being cut in half with Captain Carter and then impaled. Impaled. Other strange. When he falls out the sanctum. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I was talking about Captain Carter, and you were like, oh, never mind. Well, no, no, no. But the, you were saying when she gets cut in half, I'm like, yeah, and also when somebody gets impaled, just in terms of like the like. Brutality. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got you. I was just gonna say like that was a pretty subtle way of showing that without showing you all the gory details. Mm. Yeah, because all you needed to see was that shield that hits when it hits the wall, and it's got like a drip of blood coming off mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then her falling over. Mm-hmm. That was good. Mm-hmm. And then Reed turning into strange. He's in his head exploding. A little popping. Popping. Like a firework. Uh, when strange... Oh, I said that one. Uh, when in Windigore, Wong explains to Wanda the history of the place and the creation of the Darkhold, he mentions uh, Cothan as the first demon in in history. A moment later, Wong looks at a black statue of a demon. This is the statue of... Professor X, as opposed to his fellow Illuminati members, is the only one who's willing to at least give 616 Strange a chance to prove that he isn't the greatest threat to the multiverse as every other Strange does. He justifies this with the very same quote one of his variants used to motivate his younger self to try and save their future. Uh, this is, of course, from Days of Futures Past. Another fucking series I have to watch. I haven't mm. seen any of those first-class movies. Along with statues and relief work featuring Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch, film sculptor Johnny Moore revealed that the that next to the Scarlet Witch piece in Wondagore Mountain was a prophecy carved of Wiccan that was modeled after Julian Hillard as Billy Maximoff. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm. Is it? I think it's Hilliard, not Hillard. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> when Wanda is in the main lobby preparing to fight against Mister Fantastic, Captain Carter, Captain Marvel, and Black Bolt, you can see a large female statue in the background, the one that is actually or eventually used to kill Captain uh, Marvel. This statue is Xena from Xena Warrior Princess. No shit. A TV show. That Raimi developed and was an executive producer on. You know, one day, it was one of the free comic book days years ago. Um, I went with a coworker, because <clears throat> uh, he was like, hey, it's free comic book day, we're off. Let's go hit a bunch of comic book stores and get free comics. And I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Um, and we went into one, and I saw that they had uh, Ash versus Xena, Princess Warrior. And it's like a, or no, it was Evil Dead versus uh, Xena, Princess Warrior, and Ash and Xena were on the cover fucking fighting Deadites. And I showed it to him. I was like, dude, this looks fucking cool. And he was like, yeah, but Bruce Campbell was in that show. So how would they handle that? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Probably just not put him in the comic book, I guess. Right. And he was like, I don't know. He's a pretty prominent character. I was like, mm, fuck. Man, that show is so cool. They actually made a video game 
for I think the PlayStation One uh, was not good. No. But I mean, I never played it. But there is this. Uh, I, I think I brought them up uh, a couple of times. These two dudes on YouTube that uh, have this series that has gone across three channels now. Um, worst games ever, and they played it, and it was oof, like not good. No. Granted, the PlayStation One. Um, I feel like. This is something that I, I don't think gets brought up enough, but I think it was very just experimental in the way that, one, you controlled the game, and two, the kinds of games that were coming out. Because, I mean, you had Metal Gear Solid, which was originally a Nintendo property, and that pretty much kept its stealth spy mechanics, but then you had shit like um, Medieval. You know, it's such a weird, wacky game. And then you had, um, oh, what's it called? Oh God! It's that vampire game, um, Castlevania. No, not Castlevania. Blood Rain. No, not Blood Rain. Um, Legacy of Legacy of Cain, um, which was originally a PC game where you played as Cain, and then the ones that came out, you played as one of his generals uh, that gets killed by Cain, and you're like on this quest for revenge. And then I think in the th- third one or one of the legacy of Kane ones it merges the two storylines and they work together mm. pretty cool there's a whole video on like the lore of all those games on youtube i would love to tell you the title but i forgot it fair enough i'm sure it'll come to you maybe when wanda and captain carter are fighting the late the latter mentions i can do this all day the same comment steve rogers is known for in captain marvel one you mean Captain so, America? That too. <laughs> Captain America, the, the first Avenger, Captain America Civil War, and Avengers Endgame. The phrase is also sung by the Steve Rogers character in Rogers the Musical, seen in Hawkeye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is, a, that is a show I would like to get into. Mm-hmm. Strange, Chavez, and Palmer enter the... Sp- enter the space between universes to find the Book of Ashanti, which is the antithesis of the Dark Hole, but Maximoff appears and destroys it. She then takes over Chavez's mind, using her powers to send the others to an incursion destroyed universe and Chavez to her own. She breaks from her dream walking as 838 Wanda returns home to her children. Now, I think that this raises a pretty good question, though. Mm-hmm. So, there's multiple um, bad books. What's it called again? The Darkhold. Yeah, the Darkhold. There's multiple Darkholds connected to one spot in the MCU universe. Mm-hmm. But there's only one Book of Vishanti? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that kind of tracks with, like, good and evil stuff. You know, one good thing to be wielded, you know, and then multiple evil, multiple incarnations of the same evil item, mm-hmm. I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh- I did like how we were talking like off mic about uh, eight three eight Wanda because I was like I bet that woman went home to her boys like I'm, I bet she's just running off adrenaline she's like running back to her house to make sure her boys are okay my babies and then the moment she realizes they are and she goes into her bedroom she just screams fuck yeah because she's in so much goddamn pain yeah for sure. The last image uh, the Book of, Ash- of Ashanti shows is a star. The star is America Chavez's motif and refers to America Chavez using her powers to stop Wanda in the right way, too. Mm, okay. 
Strange defeats the destroyed universe's uh, Strange, who has been corrupted by his universe's Darkhold and uses it to dreamwalk into the body of his deceased counterpart from uh, eight uh, from Earth oh, on a Earth six one six. Yeah. <clears throat> then we get Zombie Strange. Danny Elfman opened about the fight scene between Strange and his Earth eight three eight variant, or um, well. It's not 838 Earth. It's another Earth, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saying that, quote, notes are flying off the page, quote, literally, while also sharing that, quote, various classical pieces, end quote, were involved initially. Quote, literally, not not metaphorically, these notes are flying off the page. It It was working various classical pieces against each other, kind of famous pieces. I wouldn't say kind of famous pieces. Yeah. I would say definitely famous pieces. I mean, you had Phantom of the fucking Opera in there, dude. The composer then revealed that Feige made a last-minute change to the sequence with the Marvel boss suggesting to just simplify it between, quote, Beethoven versus Bach, end quote. Okay. Quote, then in the very 59th minute of the 11th hour, at the very end, Kevin Feige jumped in and said it, instead of just simplify it between Bach versus Beethoven. It did one. I did one more pass at it where it was Beethoven's Fifth Symphony against Bach's uh, Toccata and Fugue. It really worked out perfectly. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch also chimed in on the subject, revealing that he quote came up with the ideas of the sound effects, uh, splitting it apart and coming back together. Quote: It was a very novel use of an environment. It was strange, reaching desperately at hand for what there was. It was a lot of fun to do. There was a point where it became a little bit like a weird tennis match. I was like, no, it's got to be more inventive. We have to explode it. We have to use different elements. I came up with the idea, so the sound effects, splitting it apart and coming back together. The notes were hitting Sinister Strange, like sort of peppering him with bullets, and then there was one note that would go into a ball that's being held to explode, end quote. Cool. When Doctor Strange meets Sinister Strange from a fallen dimension, Sinister warns him, his counterpart, that reading the book not only affects reality, but also the reader, revealing that he has a third eye in his forehead. This foreshadows the scene where Doctor Strange develops a third eye in the middle of his forehead. In the comics, every time Doctor Strange uses the eye of Agamotto, or Agamotto, whatever, you want to say it? It reveals a third eye in his forehead, which gives him clairvoyance. Also, since Wanda read the Darkhold, her claiming that every night she dreams of her lost family existing in another universe might be caused by the Darkhold breaking her mind and turning her evil. That's, um, yeah, that's a pretty good theory. I thought about that, too, because, I mean, she's been using it for a kind of an undetermined amount of time, you know, because... Been a hot minute. Yeah, I mean, they don't really establish how long it's been since Westview, uh, but well, whatever. I guess the government was just like, well, she's not doing it anymore. Let's just not fuck with her. Which, dude, if I was in charge, that's how I would feel. It's like, look, just try not to piss her off, right? Let's <laughs> fucking... Well, I mean, on. the other thing is, too, like, you you also have been... It's also been revealed to the government that one of their agents was secretly rebuilding Vision. Mm-hmm. Rebuilt Vision. Yeah. Now that vision's gone AWOL because Wanda's hex vision downloaded its its memories of its time with Wanda and Wanda's memories into that vision. Well, and it, it also 
I really love that. That's probably my favorite sequence out of the entire show when Hex Vision and Vision 2.0 are talking and they have that, like, they go through the whole thought experiment of what is an original. What the fuck? He says it and I forget what it's called. It's something's boat. You know, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, yes, you have the original design, but you've been replacing pieces, you know, for so long that how can you say it's original anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, when does it become like, you know, a, a, a refab or a recreation? Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, I have a lot to think about and flies the fuck off. <laughs> well, yeah, but before they do that, like, that's when he downloads... And I say downloads. Well, yeah, no, just in there, and that's when he goes like, "I have a lot to think about." And well, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is a cool sequence because yeah. it's like a, it's like a, it's like how a debate should go, like a chess debate, sort of. Yeah. And then they both hit like a checkmate because they're yeah. both just like, "I can't answer that, and neither can you." So now that I have like this new information, I'm gonna go this way. But sure. my original point was like the government's like, well, this all happened, so we can't go after her because then she can just be like, oh, well, this happened, and we also have people that are on her side, i.e., Captain Marvel 2.0 and uh, Agent Wong. Is it Agent Wong? I think it's Agent Wong. Agent Wong, what? The one in the uh, uh, WandaVision series. I don't know what his name was. Yeah, I thought it was Agent Wong, but I can't remember now. I'm, that feels I'm like it would it. be really fucking lazy. If they... St- <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, and then you got Darcy, and both of the, all three of them would be like, oh no, this was some shady government shit. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why they're like, yeah, we're not going to fuck with her, because she's also A, an all-powerful witch, and B, they have already said they'll testify against us, so we're just going to let her like, yeah, do her thing. Typical government bullshit. Uh, during the conversation between Doctor Strange and Sinister Strange, this one, this last one questions his counterpart. You ever have that dream where you're falling as if you've been pushed off a tall building? That's probably me. Although Doctor Strange doesn't respond, uh, doesn't respond, um, his fear reaction implies that he has really dreamed it. Since it is established by Doctor Strange and Wong that dreams are the windows to the variants of another universes, after... Uh, after meeting uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Defender Strange's corpse, it implies that Doctor Strange's dream was Sinister Strange killing variants of themselves. Yeah, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's your fucking goal? Alright, whatever. When Christine 838 is attacked by Souls of the Damned in the Fallen Dimension after Doctor Strange uses the Darkhold to dreamwalk, she uses a magical artifact to defeat them. This artifact is the uh, Brazzer of Bomb Galith seen in Doctor Strange. Ironically, in this movie, uh, Calicus mocked Strange that he didn't know how to use it when he took it uh, when he took it while they were fighting in the New York's uh, uh, San Sanctorum. Mm. Okay. Raimi was hesitant to use zombie Defender Strange in the film. Quote, I was totally writing with Sam in mind the entire time, uh, said screenwriter Michael Waldron. I had watched all his movies. I tried to really get an ear for the dialogue in his movies because I wanted it to feel like a Sam Raimi film. But Sam, to his credit, had no interest in coming in and just playing the hits. Sam did not come in and say, I need you to give me a zombie. And in fact, when I presented the idea of Dead Strange to him, there was a real hesitancy on his part. 
because he didn't want it to seem like he was just saying, quote, I want to do my Sam Raimi thing, end quote. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Because, I mean, you look at his other stuff that he's done outside of Evil Dead, like uh, Quick and the Dead. Like, outside of some camera movements and stuff, it's it does not feel like what you would expect from him. No, you know? no. And he, and I, I gotta, I gotta respect the fucking guy for doing stuff like that for one, not relying on things that he likes to do mm-hmm. to put his signature on the movie. And, and two, fucking Susie, what the heck is she doing? Just walking around. Uh, of course. Um, <clears throat> and two, um, being conscious of that, you know, being conscious of that kind of activity just being cheap. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because well, I mean, you don't want to be like, you don't want to be like, like Craven or Carpenter. You don't want to be like one of those directors and like your thing is, like with Craven, it's Freddy or, or on some level Ghostface and with Carpenter, it's Michael. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be that guy that like has like this image pop up in every fucking movie. Yeah. Because then it feels cheap. Yeah. And if and like and, and if and even if your intention wasn't to make it feel cheap, like you're aware that like, oh, if I put a zombie in there, then it's gonna be like everyone's gonna be like, Oh, there's Sam Raimi doing an Evil Dead homage. Yeah. And I mean he definitely does that in this movie, but it's with camera angles and like the settings and stuff like that. It's not with Zombie Strange. Right. But like I get where Raimi's thought process is of like, you know, I don't want to do this because if I do, then people are going to think I put it in there because I wanted a deadite strange or yeah, something. Yeah. Or deadite adjacent. Yeah. Uh, with Wong's help, strange defeats the demon guards and saves Chavez from Maximoff as she tries to take Chavez's powers and encourages Chavez to use her abilities. Realizing she can't defeat the Scarlet Witch, she transports Maximoff uh, to eight to Earth 838, where she sees Billy and Tommy recoil from her in fear while crying for their real mother. Maximoff, heartbroken, her children see her as a monster, is comforted by her 838 counterpart telling her that, quote, they will be loved, end quote. Yeah. Quite a beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, when throwing toys at the Scarlet Witch, one of the actors actually hit Elizabeth Olsen in the face, causing her <laughs> to shout, stop it. <laughs> Okay, so that was real. <laughs> that was a real reaction. That is hilarious. According to Olsen, it was the best reaction they got. Yeah. <laughs> and she has every interview I've seen her do, she is so apologetic. Because she is like, yeah. I did not want that to be the reaction. But at a moment, something hit me in the face. Yeah. And I just, I broke character. And she's like, I did not yelling at those kids because like, they're my boys. <laughs> And it's adorable. The woman, the, Elizabeth Olsen in interviews is like the most socially awkward, charming human being I've, I think I've ever seen. And, um, in like almost any interview, it's just fair. So, so is Henry Cable sometimes like, like, especially when people talk about how attractive he is. He, oh yeah. He turns beat fucking red. Oh yeah. She's just delightful. There's one where she does a polygraph and they show her a picture of John Krasinski and she's like, I don't know who that man is. Who and is John Krasinski? The guy that plays uh, um, 
Reed Richards. Oh. She's like, I don't know who that man is. They're like, you're in a move together. She's like, yeah, I don't know who he is. I know his wife. She's lovely. I don't know who he is. Uh, fair. I was like, wow. <laughs> that. And the, and they in the polygraph, they were like, yeah, she's telling the truth. It, I was like, fair Jesus. enough. Fair enough. Um, there's a fan theory I wanted to mention. There's, there's a fan theory that uh, somebody conceived that's kind of built some uh, that's kind of built some weight to it. That um, Wanda, like yeah. the Scarlet Witch, yeah. and uh, Wanda eight three eight, yeah, like their consciousness, like switched, so that like Wanda eight three eight uh, is in the Scarlet Witch's body, and then like yeah, that I, Wanda, I yeah, and when she says no, that they will be loved, it's I guess our universe is Wanda, yeah telling them that she'll take care of her kids or she wants to take care of that universe. But I'm like, I I can I, see that theory, but I don't agree with it. I don't buy it. Yeah. Because I think it's just, it's it's this Wanda who for a moment had her in her mind, sees back into what the conversations that she had and sees the conversation that Wong had with her is like saying, isn't it enough that they're loved in another universe? Yeah. And that's why she's saying that, because she's reiterating what Wong told her. Know that they will be loved. But coming from basically herself, it has more impact. Because all she wanted was her boys, and it's, it's this Wanda being like, they're going to be loved. Fair enough. And it's not like, and it's not like out of malice or anything. It is like, you shouldn't be doing this yeah like if you really care about these these children then don't do this yeah fucking moron but i'm like i mean i mean i i kind of in some weird way kind of get where she's coming from because it's like you know she loses her brother after being a pawn and then falls in love loses her man yeah, and then I mean, figures out that she has kids out there somewhere and has a way of getting to I mean, them. Wanda's whole but... life is sadness. Like, if you, like, off of WandaVision, off of all the movies, like, it starts off with her parents being killed by a bomb or a missile. Stark missile. A Stark missile. And that's where her, her anger towards Tony Stark comes from, or the Stark yeah. Industries. And then she's using it as an experiment to, um, become super soldiers for Hydra. And then she loses her brother to Ultron. And then she finds comfort in um, this vision. creation, yeah. this vision, this Ultron's creation vision. And then she falls in love. She finally finds happiness again. And then it's taken away from her by her own hand. Mm -hmm. Well, first it's her own hand and then it's Thanos. Yeah. And then she creates in her grief, this hex universe where she recreates her love. And then has to let it go. And for a moment she thinks, oh, but that's all I can do. And then she hears her boys. So then she's like, I can have my love again. And then she realizes that in her blind, in her blind ambition to get happiness, she never allowed herself to fully grieve for her losses. Fair enough. But I got to say, I do think they did her dirty. Like in this whole arc, I think they did her real dirty. 
you know i mean they i mean they've done wanda dirty in the mcu for sure not not only in the mcu but like in the comics too well i don't i don't necessarily agree with that i mean at least with that it was <clears throat> they they did a lot to build to like house of m and shit like that because in the M in, in the MCU in the comic books she starts off as a villain then becomes a hero and then realizes like in a sense that it's sort of like um it's sort of like the argument against Batman like if you have a person that's capable of this then it will breed a new type of criminal just for the sake of defeating him mm-hmm. like it's like an arms race essentially mm-hmm. You know, and so that's why she does House of M mm-hmm. and it's just like no more mutants. If there's no more mutants, you can't have conflict over mutants mm-hmm. because the point is moot. They're yeah. not there anymore. Yeah, exactly. So like in, in the comic books, I think they do her a lot better. Granted, they had a lot more fucking time with the character, so they were able to. And, I, and it, that goes into another point that I have against the entire MCU thing where I just think they rush it. They rush shit way too much, you know? Like, that's why I don't like Civil War. It doesn't have the emotional impact as... Or it doesn't have nearly as much of an emotional impact on the viewer as it did in the comic books. Because they didn't wait to build the universe up enough, you know? Like, I get... Like, the way that they did the story is basically the same. It's this debate of, shouldn't we kind of have control over superheroes because if you let them just run amok and do crazy shit then you're gonna have people that will do even crazier shit to defeat them you know again the debate against batman but it's like in the comic books it was completely different it's like like basically the same premise but done much differently and on a grander scale so like the the impact was greater you know, you had more people than just the fucking Avengers and mm-hmm. Spider-Man, mm-hmm. you know. And I just think that Marvel Studios and I guess now Disney's culpable too, they just rush stuff. Like Wanda's whole arc just felt very, very rushed. Granted, it took years, but if you actually condense it down to the time that we get with this character, it's not enough. I don't think it really just it kind of just makes her seem like a pissy teenager, you know, that doesn't know how to deal with her feelings. And I get that she's had a lot of loss in her life that's established, you know, pretty well in the MCU. But it's also like she didn't try therapy (laughs) like not one sesh. Like, seriously, you know, nobody took her aside and was like, look, I know this is fucked up, but hey, we got to get through this, you know. We're supposed to be heroes, you know, pillars of the world and for goodness and stuff. But nope, they were just like, sucks to suck, fag. Get out of here. Well, I think they established that with Vision. Specifically, because like with Vision being like not only like part human, but robot as well. Like they established. (laughs) (laughs) You dude, you walked right into that one. (laughs) They established, I think, in like Captain uh, and Civil War. uh Infinity Wars and in WandaVision that that's who she went to talk to about her problems. And because she had him, that was her version of therapy because he was able to give her like he was learning from her and she was learning to deal with her grief and the loss of her brother through him. So then by losing him, 
she lost her her therapy she lost her first love like the only other person she ever like reached out to and she she had that too with of course um captain america who uh got old and died so it's like everyone that she confided in after Endgame is dead. Yeah, but then she just goes straight into supervillain mode. It doesn't feel like there's a buildup there. It really doesn't. At least not the one that we've been shown. And that's what I'm that's that's really my big gripe about it is they just rushed it. They were like I want this character to get from here to here. How are we going to do that? I don't know, fuck it, just get her there. Uh, I disagree. I think WandaVision okay. did a good job at like still having her be like a hero, but also like start dripping in those like villain essence. And then like they ramped it up with the Dark Hole because they, they're establishing that like what she's doing is not what Wanda would normally be doing. This is this book that Agatha told her is corrupting but she's not a hero at all in that show she's the villain like she really is the villain i mean i know it's kind of framed that agatha is supposed to be a villain in the show and the u.s government but i mean the u.s government's always a villain like come on um so like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take points off for that but it's like she she takes over a whole fucking town and and mind controls everyone and that's shown in the episodes where the illusion like falters on some people and they're freaking the fuck out. They're like, holy shit, what the, where am I? What am I doing here? Like, please make it stop, make it stop. I can't control myself, you know? Like, she's definitely the villain. She's not a hero in that show at all. I mean, and it's just like, what the fuck, guys? Like, I really think that there needed to be something in between Endgame and WandaVision to really establish this train of thought that she went through. You know, it feels like we missed a bunch of issues of comics and then we just picked one up at the store. You know, that's just how I feel about it. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. I think they did a, a good job. Personally, I think they did. I think WandaVision was a good going off point for how she was in Endgame. Okay. Because she comes back from being dusted. She realizes that Vision isn't coming back. She's realizing who's all dead and who isn't. Real quick, I just want to stop you. Every every time somebody says dusted, like in the movies and when you say it, I just think of Dusty. So like they just turn into Dusty. <laughs> so you have like half the population of the world is just Dusty Cagle fucking running around telling these great jokes, watching <laughs> all dogs go to heaven on loop. Like <laughs> And if we ever do that movie, which I really do want to do that movie. We have to get him on. Oh, yeah, for sure. We have tried a couple of times. Schedules just haven't worked out. And nothing, no animosity towards him because he's a busy fucking dude, you know, out there making people laugh, making the world a better place the only way he knows how, mm -hmm. spreading laughter and joy. But, man, if we do that movie, we have to get him on. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think he did a good job with showing, like, her, her, what would happen to her because it's just that it's 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 her grief just got too much and i don't think she that's why i say i she is definitely the villain of the show but i don't think she that one it wasn't deliberately being a villain it was in her grief 
her chaos powers came out because she doesn't know how to control them. And then she created this safe world. She created this safe world for herself and then just never got out of it because in the first couple of episodes, it's kind of like she knows what she's doing, but she also doesn't. But then as the series progresses, it shows that she has an understanding mm -hmm. of what is happening. And that's when she becomes a villain, but she's so far deep into her grief that she doesn't want it to end. But then when they come in and like the government comes in and like other vision comes in and Agatha reveals herself, that's when she's like, okay, like I realize I fucked up mm -hmm. epically. I fucked up super bad. I have to fix this. And she does. And she leaves knowing like this town's going to hate me. It's going to come out that I'm a villain and I have to accept that. Yeah. So yeah. she starts to show remorse. It's once she gets the dark hold and she realizes there's a way for her boys to come back. That's when everything that she learned from Westview gets reversed because of its this Necronomicon like books influence on her. Because as it's prophesied by Agatha and said by Wong, she can either s rule the cosmos or destroy it. Yeah, but then she also just like traps Agatha in the mindset of being a Westview citizen. After she definitely is like, look, I'm trying to help you, man. I'm trying to help you out. And she's just like, no, brainwash. You know? That's all, that's like, that's all I'm saying, man. Like, I, I just think they rushed it. Fair enough. And I think, though, I think with the show House of uh, Harkness, I, I'm sure Wanda will come back, and that's where they'll show Agatha and her, like, training and working together. And But how? What do you mean, how? Like, they, they, like, in the show, they never established that they had met before that. And in the show, she, like I said, like traps her in this like I don't even like identity I guess would yeah be the but then she way. said like I'll I'll release you when I need you and I'm assuming that in House of Harkness that's when a broken wand is going to go back to Westview unlock Agatha and be like I need your help maybe I don't know I don't know maybe because I mean we don't know what House of Harkness is going to be right is it could be like everything leading up because it's established in the show, of course, in WandaVision that she was there at the witch trials in Salem. Mm -hmm. This bitch is old. Mm -hmm. She's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. So it could just be stories from then, you know, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be her training Wanda because that's what happens in the comics. Like she trains Wanda and then she also is a mentor for Wanda's son, Billy, who plays uh, who becomes uh, Wiccan. Yeah, fair. So I mean, that's what I'm thinking where it's going to go. Fair enough. <sighs> we should probably get back to the movie. Yeah. Uh, realizing the error of her ways, Maximoff relents and uses her powers to bring down Mount Wondegore, simultaneously destroying all copies of the Darkhold throughout the multiverse and apparently sacrificing herself in the process. Chavez returns Strange and Palmer to their respective universes. In the living room of the Wanda 838... Uh, the TV shows a cartoon featuring Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. 
Uh, Walt Disney invented the character in the 1920s, but when Universal Pictures took the rights of Oswald away from him, Disney invented Mickey Mouse instead, who soon completely eclipsed Oswald in popularity. In Earth 838, it appears that Mickey Mouse was never invented, so Oswald remained popular on TV. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Uh, in the original Doctor Strange, Mordo and Wong question Strange about how he can understand the spells in the Book of the Ancient One. Strange tells them, quote, I've got a photographic memory. That's how I got my MD and PhD at the same time, end quote. This possibly means that although Wanda destroyed all the Dark Old copycat books in the multiverse, one final copycat now exists inside Doctor Strange's mind after reading it in the fallen dimension in order to be a dreamwalker inside Defender Strange's corpse to defeat Wanda. She wants to run. One of these days, she's going to figure out how to open the door. Oh, I'm sure she will. I mean, that's how she gets open in the bathroom. She just pushes the door handle. Not all the time. Sometimes she just fucking shoves the door. Yeah, well, she learned that from Mr. Kitty. Yeah. Uh, Sometime later... uh. Kamitage is repaired and the surviving sorcerers joined by Chavez continue training. Strange develops a third eye as a result of using the Darkhold and dreamwalking into a corpse. Excuse me. Time has always been a part of Strange's character and, all, and he was even once the guardian of the Time Stone. The watch that Strange wears was once a gift from Christine when they were still in a relationship and he still wears it even after they broke up and it broke representing Strange's inability to move on from his relationship with her. After a heartwarming conversation with his 838 counterpart, he finally fixes the watch, representing him finally moving on with his life. Mm -hmm. One of the other th main themes of the plot revolves around happiness. Christine Palmer asks, are you happy to Doctor Strange at her wedding in the same time, in the same way that Sinister Strange questions him too, explaining how... Disappointed with life after the loss of Christine Palmer of his dimension to marry another, he used a dark hole to travel across dimensions looking uh one looking for one where uh he could be with her just to find another alternate strange who also lost to their respective Christine Palmer and kills his variant. Later, Strange asks the same question to Wong, who reveals that he uh, feels curious about his alternate life in other dimensions, but he feels gra grateful by the actual life he lives. In the same way, Wanda feels disgraced and unhappy after losing Vision and their children, Billy and Tommy, as it happened in WandaVision, claiming that she dreams of her children every night only to live a nightmare where she wakes up every day. She too went looking in the multiverse for a way to replace them, although it implies she would kill an alternate Wanda. Mm-hmm. In a mid-credits scene, Strange is approached by a sorceress who warns him that his actions have triggered an incursion and he must help fix and he must help her fix it. Strange follows her into the dark dimension. Ooh. In the first post-credits scene, Charlize Theron plays a white-haired woman who recreates who sorry, he who recruits Strange to fix an incursion caused by his multiversal travels. This woman is Klee, who in the Marvel Comics is a powerful sorceress, daughter of Prince Orini, Orini, or or uh, Olnar's son, former ruler of the Dark Dimension, and Umar, Dora uh, Mamu's sister, make, making Klee 
Dormammu's niece. Klee is a longtime ally, love interest, and eventual wife of Strange. Klee even becomes a Sorcerer Supreme in the fifth and final issue of the limited comic series The Death of Doctor Strange. Klee uses a magic knife to open a portal in the air where the Dark Dimension can be seen. Cool. So I'm excited that Charlize Theron will eventually be uh, Strange's wife. If we get that far. I'm sure we will. Maybe. Possibly. One hopes. Well, I mean, it's just thinking about, like, how long it will take to get down that arc. And if Charlize Theron will actually still be playing the character of Klee. Because, I mean, you know, Chris Evans was like, I don't want to be Captain America anymore. I'm done. I fucking, I'm I'm kind of over it. And you never know, she could get that way. I mean, fair, but I mean, Chris Evans. I mean, I'm not saying that she will. And, and yeah, Chris Evans is kind of a special case because he had Captain America, Captain America Civil War, Avengers, Avengers 2, Avengers 3, Avengers 4. <laughs> I mean, he had three Captain Americas. Yeah. He had the four Avengers. You just gonna do what I was doing? Well, you missed one of the Captain Americas. I was getting there. Ah, yeah. I think he had at least. Yeah, I mean, he had. I mean, he we've basically been playing the character since 2010, and yeah. the and the la and uh, Infinity Wars came out in 20. Was it 2019? Infinity Wars or Endgame? I mean, Endgame. Sorry. Because Endgame was before the pandemic. So I think it was 2019. I think it was April or May 2019. 2019. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, he'd been playing that character for nine years and at least did eight to ten movies playing that character. So after a while, you're like, I need to do something different. Yeah. This is probably, that's probably taking him, that movie's probably taking up most of his time. Not that character, I should say. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I doubt, I kind of doubt we're going to get that many movies um, for Strange, just because he's not a, he's not a name like Amer- Captain America, you know, or Iron Man, like even, even in the comics, like he's a fucking huge part and one of the oldest characters mm-hmm. for Marvel, for sure. Not trying to disrespect that, but... When when somebody says Marvel, even before all the movies, if somebody says Marvel Comics, they're going to think of three, well, potentially four people. Captain America, Iron Man, Spider-Man, or the Hulk. Yeah. That's who they're going to think about. Those are the first images that are going to pop in their head. Yeah. I'll, I'll, maybe Fantastic Four, because they were huge. Yeah, maybe. But those are the big four, you know, especially Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, so, yeah. but I think like I know for a fact, with especially with like No Way Home, like they're trying to establish Doctor Strange being like Spider Man's new mentor or like the new mentor figure since Tony Stark is gone. <laughs> D E D dead. Yeah, D E D dead. Um, which that kind of sucks. Yeah, fucking but... Robert Downey Jr. was made for that character. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I think he would have also made um. A really good Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah, he would have. For you know, sure. he would have been like Michael Keaton. 
as Batman. Mm, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good um, example yeah. of what his his Bruce Wayne probably would have been. That's still my favorite Batman. Yeah, mine definitely one of mine too. Like Christian Bale was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, he was he was. I feel like he was uh, the best at being both. Mm-hmm. You know, Val Kilmer kind of sucked. No Val offense Kilmer was to a him. good Bruce Wayne, but not a good Batman. No, and George Clooney was bad at both. <sighs> that was just a bad film. Like I, I know I've said several times on this podcast, I'm like, oh, it's fucking great. It's the best one ever. It's always been a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Michael Keaton. I think Michael Keaton was was good at both, but I think it was a better Bruce Wayne than Batman. See, I think personal opinion. I that see, I think Michael Keaton was a good Batman, not a good Bruce Wayne, and I think Christian Bale was a good Bruce Wayne. Not Batman. Really? Yeah. I think he was I think he was good as Batman. Now, Robert Pattinson I think is a good Batman. But I'm saying that because we haven't really seen the Bruce Wayne that he puts on for the public. Mm. Do you do you swear by that? Mm-hmm. Do you swear by that? Yes. To who? To me. Swear to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> because like the the psyche of of Batman is Batman wears three masks. He wears the Bruce Wayne persona, the playboy, the billionaire, the one that throws his money at charities and women and blah blah blah. blah. Then he wears Batman, the Batman. Like no, mask. it's it's actually a problem in Gotham. He will just throw like stacks of cash at random women. It's harassment, dude. Right. It, it was it was part of the Me Too movement. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's, he's assaulting women. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> can you fucking imagine? <laughs> Alfred, stop. Money, drive. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Bruce Wayne wears three different masks. He wears the Bruce Wayne Playboy persona mask. He wears yeah. the Batman mask, and then he has like his own. Then he has himself. Well, that's not really a mask, though. But that's the one that he only shows to Alfred. But yeah, but I, I would argue that that's him. Like it's not a mask. It's it's him. It's the person behind all of that. So it wouldn't be three. It'd be two. In in my opinion, well, the the, the uh, memory serves the way they do the mask theory is like you. It's the faces that you wear to the people that you interact with, even if it, this is your true, supposed to be your true self. Sometimes even that isn't your true self. I yeah, I see where you're coming from. I definitely see where you're coming from with that argument, but I would posit that to Alfred, he's as honest as possible. Because he knows he can be. I mean, that's the guy who raised him. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, if there's one person Batman knows he can trust, it's, it's him. But yeah, that's why. That's why in um, Batman Beyond, he doesn't get another butler after Alfred dies. He gets a dog. Yeah, you know, not yeah. to say that he equates Alfred to a dog. It's just he knows he can trust a dog. Yeah, like he trusted Alfred. And like who 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 what other butler would you you even want to like get to fill that position? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think you're gonna find another butler that was also British Special Forces. Right. <laughs> you know? I feel like that's a real rare find. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think with Robert Pattinson, we've seen a good Batman because we've only seen two sides of Bruce Wayne, the real Bruce Wayne and Batman. But we haven't seen 
the Playboy billionaire, which I'm sure we'll see yeah. in the next film. Yeah, probably. Uh, that was kind of like my biggest gripe about that movie was it was just Birdie Boy Bruce. But I mean, it, it was like it was like if Angel from the TV show Angel was Bruce Wayne. But you I know mean, what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, or was like, Batman? I should say. Right, but I mean, that that is a version of of. Bruce Wayne in some comics where he he sure. his first uh, his first early years were just him devoted to like stopping crime and trying to solve his parents' murder and then somebody I can't remember what happened to get him like to pull his head out of his ass to be like you have to be in public you have to commit to a social life as well yeah but that's when he turned on the billionaire charm yeah and even then like in Mask of the Phantasm, he doesn't have that, he hasn't really established that billionaire persona mm -hmm. at all either. He's still like figuring himself out. Fair enough. Like, my favorite animated Batman movie is uh, Return of the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, the in my opinion, the best one is probably Dark Knight Returns. Mm. Have you watched that? Mm hmm. So fucking good. That's the one where uh, the Joker he, snaps his neck. Yeah. Well, well, he snaps the Joker's neck. He yeah, kills yeah. the Joker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's old man Bruce. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where uh, he fights this gang called the mutants, but they're not. Yeah, mutants. Yeah, like yeah. their leader seems like one. Yeah, like some yeah. radioactive motherfucker. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that one. That's a good one. Oh man, it's so fucking good. Okay. Got a little bit off track, so. Just a little bit? Yep. Little bits. I got a few. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, Cumberbatch revealed in an interview that Benedict Wong broke about four ribs when he slammed into something during a stunt. Really? Mm-hmm. Damn, dude. He got fucked up. Uh -huh. Ouch, man. So, wait, he was doing his own stunts? That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really uh, cool. I mean, some of the, some of the MCU people I know like like to do their own stunts. I wonder though. Um, but I'm not going to make it a conundrum because I feel like it would just take way too long to find the answer. Um, if when an actor wants to do their own stunts, if there has to be money added to the budget for like extra insurance for those actors, no. Are you sure? I'm yes. Okay, just based on like Tom Cruise stuff. Okay, because what they do is. The, if they go up to the stunt coordinator and say, hey, I want to do the stunt, the stunt, the stunt coordinator could say, you can't because of X, Y, and Z. Um, or they'll be like, you can, but we have to train you in this way. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they won't, they won't add extra insurance to the star because sometimes the dude will be like, no, we're not going to do that. And in some cases, like with Tom Cruise, he's like, well, then fine, take take some money out of my paycheck because I'm going to do this fucking stunt. Oh, okay. Because it'll be like, oh, we're, it's going to run over the budget, blah, blah, blah. So I will take some money out of my paycheck because I'm going to do this fucking stunt. Fair enough. Yeah. Because I know that, um, I forget her goddamn name. I always forget her name. It's kind of complicated. But the uh, the lady in all the Resident Evil movies. Oh, uh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Um, For Resident Evil 2? I think it is. It's either the second one or the third one when she like has that sequence where she's running down the side of the building. Um, there was like Two. this. Okay, there was like this behind the scenes 
uh, like interview or thing that I saw where they were filming the stunt and she was kind of pissed off. She was like, I told him I could do it. Like I told him I was ready to go, but they just won't let me do it. And I don't understand why I've done so many other stunts. Like but they won't let me do this one. It's stupid. And she was just like angry, like holding a book. <laughs> she was reading on the set. She was like, fuck it. I can't do this. Right. I remember that interview. It was funny as shit to me. Even though those are bad movies, I do commend Mila Jovovich or Jehovich, uh, for like committing very, very hardcore into doing a lot for that movie. Yeah, for sure, man. Like respect to her, but they're fucking bad movies. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Ramey, forty minutes of additional scenes were cut from the film during post production. Damn, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Ramey pays tribute to classic horror movies several times in this film. In Kamitaj, Wanda emerges from within a gong in a way that looks similar to how Samara emerges from a TV in the ring. Yep. In Earth 838, uh, Wanda, with blood like oil on her face from Ultron bots, walks with her arms outstretched in a similar, in a manner similar to Sissy Spacek and Carrie. Uh, when Wanda is chasing Doctor Strange, America Chavez, and Christine 838 through an underground tunnel, she walks with a limp that's similar to how Jack Torrance chases Danny through the hedge maze in The Shining. Cool, man. Oh, that was very mm-hmm. effective. Mm-hmm. Vertically, on the front of America Chavez's denim jacket, is written, Amor es amor. Uh, this is Spanish for love is love. The quote is a popular slogan of the LGBT community. Yeah, but we kind of got in trouble with that when fucking Pedo started using it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have that joke about like how the LGBT community is like real shit marketing. Yeah, I mean, every yeah. every counterpart of Doctor Strange has a different color to cast spells: white for Defender Strange, violet for Sinister Strange, and orange for Doctor Strange. Uh, Strange eight three eight is not seen casting a spell. Yeah. It'd probably be blue, though. Probably. Raimi's own 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88 car makes a cameo in the fallen dimension of Sinister Strange. The car's appeared, uh, The car has appeared in all Raimi movies, even The Quick and the Dead, where due to the time period in which the film takes place, it can be seen hidden under a tarp. What the fuck? <sighs> That's funny to me. God damn it. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> Just that's so weird. <laughs> this is the most violent Marvel film to date, featuring the gruesome deaths of several characters. These include a character's head exploding, uh, Black Bolt, a character falling and getting impaled, uh, Sinister Strange, a character who is painfully stretched and ripped apart until destroyed, uh, Fantastic, uh, Mister Fantastic. No, uh, Doctor Reed. Whatever. Um, a character whose neck is snapped, Professor X. A mm-hmm. character is cut in half, uh, Captain, Captain Mar- Carter. Captain Carter, uh, and more. Most of these deaths are shown explicitly on screen, but contain relatively little blood or gore. Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say, like with um, with Black Bolt, it kind of makes sense because you would think his suit would be built to sort of like um, sort of like Batman's suit, where like it it can like take kinetic energy you know mm-hmm. and just not break you would think that that would because i mean you gotta think there's gotta be blowback in the sound waves right that's how sound works yeah you know yeah so 
He he would definitely need a suit that could take the punishment. Yeah, and I think the little the fork on his head helps too. Probably. But yeah, that's why that 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 one makes sense for me. It wasn't like, oh, well, they're just being cheap in the gore. I'm like, no, like his suit probably is like skin tight and like it's super durable. Super durable, yeah. Almost like Black Panther's suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 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 his. So of course, if like when he like screams, the the when his he screams and his head blows, like the it just gets stuck in the suit, for sure. <laughs> the fourth wall is broken three times throughout the movie by Wong, when in uh, Kamitaj he says the Scarlet Witch. By Wanda eight three eight a second later, when possessed by Wanda six one six, as she looks directly into the camera, and by Pizza Papa Vendor, in the post uh, ending credit scene after Doctor Strange's spell to hit himself ends, and he screams happily to the camera, "It's over!" Yeah, <laughs> fucking Bruce Campbell, man. God. Although I have to, I have to ask if he is a pizza ball vendor, why does he have mustard? Who the fuck is putting mustard on their pizza, bro? You put. You really are disgusting. <laughs> Though none of these are inherently fourth wall breaks, as there are logical reasons for the characters to be looking where they're looking regardless of the camera placement. Instances of someone looking into the camera does not inherently constitute a fourth wall break. Fair enough. The movie resolves an in, uh, incoherence with the um, Marvel TV series Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where in season four, Ghost Rider uses a different dark hold from, the scene, from that scene in the movie. The book also appeared in another Marvel TV series, Runaways, having a third different shape from the others. When uh, when Wong reveals to Wanda that the Darkhold destroyed at Kamitaj by Kamitaj's apprentice Sarah was only a transcript of the spells inscribed in the Wondagore walls, it implies that the rest of the books also were copycats of the original inscriptions. Uh, explaining why its forms were different and revealing that the true Darkhold was not a book but Wondagore itself. Hmm. Fair enough. Hmm. And now my favorite. Yeah. Tom Cruise was rumored was rumored to appear as the Earth 838 version of Tony Stark as part of the Illuminati. Oh. Cruise was originally in the running to play Stark in Iron Man. Was he really? Mm-hmm. Waldron I'm... liked the idea and thought of approaching Cruise. However, Feige said it would it would unlikely happen as Cruz already had a full schedule filming the next two Mar- uh the next two Mission Impossible films back to back. Oh shit. Yeah. Like even for a short sequence like that, yeah, that would be tough, dude. Mm-hmm. That would be really tough to pull off when he's filming one movie right after the other. Although it would be funny if like Tom Cruise re- read that. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I had, like, time. I could have done it. Yeah, I had, like, a month off. So been fun. And, like, Kevin Feige's just like, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, motherfucker. All right. So how did you like Doctor Strange 2? How did I like it? Um. Uh. uh. I'll give it a four. Ass, 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 ass. Um. My biggest gripe, which I feel like should be obvious right now, is just how they did the character of Wanda. Um, we had a whole debate about that. I'm not going to rehash it, but I do just feel like, you know, they rushed it. felt kind of just not necessarily out of nowhere, but it's just like, I mean, you're hitting these marks, but you're not really showing us the thought process there. Mm. Outside of that, I think the way that they handled literally everybody else in the movie was great. Um, 
I, I'm so glad Bruce Campbell was in it. It's like the best. Um, my problems with, I do want to just be incredibly clear. My problems with Scarlet Witch and how her character was handled has nothing to do with Elizabeth Olsen. It's all writing. She's always been great at playing the character, even though she like kind of lost her accent there after Age of Ultron, but whatever. Um, who gives a shit? She was actually the one that fought to uh, have the accent back in this movie. Ah, uh, really? Yeah, because she was tired of... So, so the way she, she described it was that after Age of Ultron, she was like, they were trying to Americanize Wanda. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I feel like Wanda herself was trying to do that as well. But um, with the Scarlet Witch, now that Wanda feels more herself, she would have her accent back. Okay, like it would, it would, she would, it would still be more Americanized, but you would hear more of the accent coming out. Yeah, what is it, uh, Slovakian, uh, Sokovian, Sokovian? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so you know, there's that. She's great. Everybody in this movie is great. Um. Fucking love seeing Chibatella G4 in anything. He's the fucking man. Um. The themes in this movie were pretty good. I do like the camera work and cinematography. The choreography for the fights and like casting the spells was really fucking dope. You know, it really made me... It really makes you feel like they're casting a fucking spell, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they it's not Harry Potter. They don't have a fucking wand. You know? It's just their hands. So, mm-hmm. you know, they gotta, like, make the signs and shit like that. Um, outside of... You know, Wanda's motivations. I think the story was really, really cool. The whole fake out at the end where you think Strange is going to take America's powers and he's just like, no, I'm actually going to encourage her to just use them because she definitely can control them. She just doesn't have the confidence to do it. You know, that was really cool. The resolution was good. I'm with you. I don't agree with the theory of like... Wanda switching consciousnesses that doesn't make any fucking sense to me from what we saw in the movie especially like it it completely makes no sense when you consider the line I opened the book now I have to close it Mm -hmm. you know like why would a lady who just got body switched respond like that like react like literally nothing happened that does not make any sense at all that Mm -hmm. theory total bunk in my opinion um I don't have a problem with the runtime. I like longer movies, so that's just like a that's just a personal bias thing. I definitely get it when people don't like that. I know um a few people that I've talked to, like namely one of my teachers, doesn't like the fact that all the Hobbit movies are almost three hours long and I I get it. I get it. You know. I get it. Um But outside of the way that they handled Scarlet Witch, I think it is like a, it's a fun movie. It's a solid fucking movie. Pretty good story. You get to see a lot of different universes. The animation and the CGI moments is really good. I think the weakest part is when Wanda is standing up after crawling out of the gong. Like that looks like an Xbox 360 game <laughs> cutscene. You know what I'm saying? But... I mean, shit, dude, that stuff's hard to do, like really fucking hard, you know? So fuck it, man. Like, I'm not even taking points off for that. I'm just saying like that is a criticism. 
still definitely worth checking out, especially if you've consumed everything else in the MCU. Don't listen to all the dumb motherfuckers that say it's a bad movie, mm-hmm. you know, because let's be real. None of the fucking Marvel movies are good. Like, objectively speaking, they're not. They just aren't because they're not they're, they're not trying to make films. They're trying to make movies. You know, there's, they're not trying to be cinema. No, they're not. They're but, popcorn movies. Yeah, dude. And so just let them be that. You know, they're definitely leaning into it. The biggest one was Thor Ragnarok, where they're just super leaning into the whole comic book campy stuff. And that's kind of the fun of comic books, you know, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like they really they they depart so much from reality that you don't have to worry about the rules anymore. Oh, so, there goes gravity. Sorry, you said reality made me think of that song. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you were off, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely worth a watch. What do you think, dear? I give it a five. As, 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 as. I've watched this movie at least like 10 times since it came on like Disney Plus. Oh, shit. It's literally become like my background movie. Okay, cool. Um, I, I disagree with you. I think they did a great job in establishing Wanda's descent into like villain villainry. How would you, how would you say that? <laughs> villainry, villain, villaining, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I I love the way they they took. I love how they took her in the film. Um, I'm glad that they made her a villain because. And I like the fact that she they they decided to make her a sympathetic villain and not like not like um like a Thanos or a um I'm trying to think of somebody else Ultron a, an Ultron yeah like someone who's just like just downright evil yeah. or like a Red Skull like Red Skull. Like somebody like that, where just they're just downright evil. And I do, I do want to say, I do want to clarify. I'm not upset that they made her a villain. I just don't like the way that they did it. Right, and I, I understand that. I like that's what I'm saying. Like I like the way they did it. Okay, fair enough. I don't think I don't have a. Pro- that's not like a problem for me as far as a criticism. I think they did a good job at establishing her from when we see her from Age of Ultron till now, with everything in between, WandaVision, all the movies. I think they did a good job of setting her up to be who she is in this film that she is somebody who is so tired mm-hmm. of losing the ones that she loves that when she finally finds a way to get her her happiness back which is her her boys her children she's going to get it no matter what and it's exacer- it's exacerbated by this demonic book that is sl- that has corrupted her mm-hmm. so she's not thinking rational wanda she's thinking grief wanda Mm -hmm. she's she's thinking of all four stages of grief and it's not until the end when the other like 838 wanda's like know that they will be loved that she finally feel she finally hits acceptance Mm -hmm. that she can't be with her kids and that she's done horrible things not only with west like this is when this is the moment at the end, that's the moment where she finally gets, like, she finally feels regret for Westview. She finally feels regret for killing the sorcerers and opening the dark hold and everything that she's done. She feels, she's accepted that she has become 
a monster that she never she's she's become something that scares her kids mm-hmm. and that's what breaks her I do love that that was a genuine reaction. She was just like, stop it! (laughs) (laughs) Poor thing. Hey, don't fucking hit her in the face. I mean, it was just like, your motivation just throws things at her. Smack. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, oops. Um, I wonder wonder if they were like, cut, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Or if she was just like, oh, my God, like, immediately after yelling, that was just like, oh, shit. My got my bad dudes. Come here. I think it was a combination of both. All right, yeah. I think it was like she screamed, "Stop it!" And she was like, "Oh God!" And then Sam Raymond was like, "Oh fuck, cut, hold up." <laughs> yeah, because she was like, "That little shit, that little fucking thing hurt." Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Um, speaking of Sam Raimi, I am so happy they picked him as a director. Yes, because yes, I think me too. I think I mean, I love Scott Derrickson. Uh we did a review of his last film Black Phone, which is a masterpiece in horror. Yeah, it really so is. So good. Actually, um, um I actually rewatched that uh in theaters with one of my classmates cuz he's super into horror. Um but he did tell me he was like I just don't like watching horror movies alone. And I was like, "All right, man, I'll go see it with you" cuz he really wanted to see it. And um upon rewatching it, there's some really cool camera tricks in there. But I think because of the setting, the cinematography is a little bit stale. Yeah, fair enough. Which, I mean, whatever. Fair enough. But I think, like I said when they made the announcement, like I love Derrickson. I think he's a masterclass horror filmmaker, and I see a great career for him, not only going back into superhero films if he ever decides to, but in Mm -hmm. horror still. But you can't fucking beat Sam Raimi. I mean... If Wes Craven was still alive, I feel like you could. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. Oh my God, Wes Craven doing this this film? Jesus Christ! Holy oh, shit! No. Oh God, dude, that but, would but, be nuts. But, but anyway, like I, I, I'm glad we got Sam Raimi because the the camera style, the execution, it works for this film. Yeah, that yeah. you needed somebody who knew how to do a good like a, you needed somebody who knew how to go into horror but knew when to pull back when needed to be. Yeah. And I think Sam Raimi is your best choice. Yeah. Um, other than maybe John Carpenter, if he ever decides to make another fucking movie. He ain't. I think at this point he's just going to sell with music. Yeah. And which is fine. That's fine. But, you know, he does kind of like, well, I've been thinking about yeah. it. It's like, motherfucker, no, you haven't. Yeah. You haven't been thinking um, hard about it, motherfucker. Like, right? come on, man, be real. And then uh, Michael Wald- uh, Waldron, uh, as a screenwriter, did a great job. Um, I mean, you've got somebody who made the Loki series, so obviously understands Marvel and what they want. Yeah. And he definitely was like, I'm going to pay tribute to Raimi because I want him to make a film that he's comfortable making. And he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, the the, the dialogue is great. Uh, the, the acting's phenomenal. Elizabeth Olsen is the Scarlet Witch. She's perfect as Wanda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, perfect Doctor Doctor Strange. Everybody played their character, plays their character super well. I do think that her best line delivery in this movie, which is not a detraction from any any line that she says, but I do think her the best little moment is when she's in there with Wong, and he's like, "When are you gonna realize you can't control everything?" And she just whispers, "But I can." She's fucking crazy, you know. I, I oh man, there's so much raw emotion in that little short sentence. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because she does. She does a Elizabeth Olsen does a great job at playing both like 
cracked and sane Wanda. Mm-hmm. And like having her play like different variations of herself, you see just how corrupted Scarlet Witch that Wanda has become compared to her other self. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think everything about this movie is great. Um, I would say, though, I I, I do kind of wish that some of that 40 minutes they cut was in this movie. I do kind of wish it was a little bit longer because I do think even for a two-hour and eight-minute film, it does feel like it goes at like a boom, 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 boom kind of pace. Yeah, I get that. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. I I think that it, sort of like in the way Uncut Gems is just anxiety in a movie, like mm-hmm. literally just anxiety in a movie, mm-hmm. um, this is a very dire situation that you can tell Doctor Strange feels res- very responsible for. And the pacing and the way he moves through the universe, the multiverse, it makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I agree with you. I would love to see those 40 minutes, mostly because I want more Sam Raimi. Like, honestly, let's be real here. Right. You know, like, but I don't have a problem with the pacing. Right. And that's where, that's why I didn't take like a a point or anything away because I do feel, I do like the pacing, but Uh like knowing that there was at least like, like more of this movie, I'm like, I kind of want to see what the rest of it was. Like, if you... You had 40 minutes of footage. It's just like, okay, like not all of that had to be like just scenes where you were just like, eh. Some of that had to be like really good, like beat, like a good, like this could have been a good beat moment. So that's like, I I just want to see it. I don't, it's not, like I said, like I like the the pacing of the film too. And then like, it it does feel like a very like dire situation. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. That's why I can't take a point away. But I'm also like, I kind of want to see what the a two hour, forty eight minute version of this movie would look like. Yeah, man, I think that would be really epic, man. Not that Marvel will ever do like a director's cut of anything, but you don't think so? Mm-mm. I don't think so. I think I think give it enough time, and they'll start releasing like director's cuts of the old ones, like the first three Iron Mans, first like Captain America movie. Stuff like that, I think, with time, I think they will. Maybe. Because I think that there will be enough demand for it. I mean, it is kind of surprising that they don't do that already, considering how popular these movies are, you know? Maybe, but then like, part of the problem is, like, some of the extended cuts, there might be scenes in there that... Fuck up with the continuity. Right. Yeah, so that's a good point. Very, I didn't think about that. You have to be that. very careful about what you do and don't include. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that could be one of the reasons why there's, like... 40 minutes of footage that's cut because it could have been stuff that played into this movie being before No Way Home. Mm. Which I just now realize when thinking about it. But anyway, um, no, it's a five. I I think Sam Raimi was the perfect choice for Derrickson's replacement. I hope they bring him back for the third movie. Or at the very least, they get another horror director to do the third movie. Yeah. Um... I can't wait to see what they do next with Scarlet Witch. I can't wait to see what they do next with Doctor Strange. Um, I assume the third movie, the, the villain will be uh, Mordo. Actually, Mordo. But I don't Has know. he popped up in any of the stuff since the first movie? Mm-mm. Just this one. <sighs> All right. So that's why I'm thinking he'll be the next villain. Well, I mean, they definitely set it up with the post credit scene 
from the first one that he was going to be the next villain. Like, they definitely set that up because he's going around stealing people's magic, you know? So it's like, and then in this movie, he's like, oh, yeah, he just fucking hates me and has dedicated his life to killing me. And it's like, but we haven't seen that at all. So how would you know that? You know? Because literally from what we've seen is him breaking away from the entire society of sorcerers and then stealing that one dude's magic who just wanted to go back to being a mechanic again. And that's it. For our universe is Mordo. So it's like, what the fuck, man? That's why I'm thinking he'll be the villain in the next movie because he'll be trying to go after like Strange and Klee for like causing an an incursion or something. Yeah, maybe, man, maybe. I just don't want that character to be forgotten. I doubt he will. I, I thought he was a great, strong character and a great foil to Doctor Or Strange. what they could be doing is setting him up kind of like a Loki for, like, the Avengers, where he's, like, not the big villain. But a little villain. But a little villain that's a stepping stone to the big villain. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Who knows, man? But anyway. Mostly I just want to see more Shiba Tell. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. But anyway, it's a five. Hell Yeah. <laughs> So thank you for listening to A Fag on Film. If you like what you've heard, please review and uh, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching AFOF Podcast. Uh, please subscribe and review the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels weird with like, the timelines because I don't have like the normal like... Yeah, you know, like with... what's coming up next yeah, and all that yeah, other yeah. stuff. Um, we're still in our... Uh, let freedom review movie month uh by the time this episode comes out we have already done uh live free die hard uncle sam and i know what you did last summer so it should be the sandlot next yep um we will have more timelies coming in the future more like newer timelies i should say yeah um hopefully the next one will be nope well, that does, yeah, like you said, it comes out Friday. Um, and we could go see it on Sunday. And I can go home and record if you want to. Yeah, maybe. I just want to see it because it's, it's the Jordan Pill movie. And so far, he's delivered. So I'm hoping, knock on wood, I'm hoping that this one will be just as good. But this one looks like it's more going the route of like horror comedy. Whereas the other ones were just like straight hey man, horror. Dude, we've been fooled by the advertising before, homie. That's true, but... I'm just saying. And not just with his films, with any film. That's true, but... So, I mean, it could have like comedy elements in it. Because all... Well, I've only seen one. But, like, that had comedy elements in it. Mm-hmm. You know, even when shit was going down, it still had comedy elements in it. So, there's definitely going to be that in there just because he's a fucking comedian. Mm -hmm. But I still think it's going to be a down and out horror movie. Just from the the ads. Yeah. You know? Fair enough. I mean, we'll see. But I'm excited either way. Yeah, me too. Because so, I mean, he's not delivered a bad movie thus far. Yeah. Or TV show. Or TV show, yeah. I mean, I know people had their mixed opinions about The Twilight Zone, but for everything I saw, everyone was just like, yeah, it's a good horror show yeah but yeah uh, until next time like I said hopefully we'll have a new timely soon so until next time keep your keep your eyes out keep your eyes peeled
Yeah, probably next week. I mean, I Hopefully doubt, I doubt we're gonna. I'm, I doubt you're gonna stay away from the theater for now. Yeah, <laughs> I oh, doubt yeah. you will. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, that's all. Goodbye. Goodbye.